As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. One semester of law school. One semester of criminal justice. Two, Two experts. experts. <laughs> I'm Kristen Caruso. I'm Brandi Egan. Let's, Let's go, go to, to court. court. On this episode, I'll talk about Dahlia DiPolito. And I'll be talking about a museum heist. Brandi, my how you've changed. I have changed. So much has changed. I've had a baby and now I'm magically back here. Uh-huh. Sitting in front of you. Hey, is this okay? What was that show? Was it Bewitched, where the husband died and then they just replaced yes, him with another actor yes, and they didn't say that anything? Was. You just act completely natural. Hey, you're not Brandy Egan. Guys, I have something to tell you. I am not Brandy Egan. I am Kristen's sister, Kyla. Although, I was thinking earlier. <laughs> <What do you laughs> mean, although? <laughs> although, there's something I have to tell you. I'm turning this into Jerry Springer. No, there's something I have to tell you. I was like, Girl, I did have one semester of criminal justice. You did? I did. I had, shout out to Professor James Logan at Earlham College. Uh-huh. I had criminal justice and moral vision, and I had the intro to legal studies course. So I got hey. two semesters under my Whoa. belt. Whoop, whoop. You think you're so special so coming special. in here with your two semesters. I got double the knowledge that Brandy has and about a 16th of the laugh that she's got. So, Okay, question. Yes. Do you think people will say we have the same voice? Yes. I mean, yes, that it's very similar. So last night we had trivia with like Brandy and the gang and we were talking about how we were going to do the podcast because, you know, Brandy just had a baby. For anyone who doesn't know, Brandy just had her baby. And we were like, oh, it's going to be weird because we have the exact same laugh. We know we've we've always known we have the exact same laugh. But Casey was like, "Um, you guys also have the exact same voice. So it's going to sound like Kristen went crazy and she's just alone (laughs) talking to herself. Brandy's not here and Kristen's just gone crazy. (laughs) You know what we should do right now? What? Put on your business hat. It's time to plug the Patreon. Oh, girl. Well, let me plug the play. Pa- the Patreon. Well, I don't know. Plug you don't in know the, the words. I don't know the words, but let me tell you. Okay. I'm a member of a paying member of the Patreon. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> this cheap bitch uh-huh. makes her family pay to be in the Patreon. No free rides here. That's right. No, I pay to be in there, and I enjoy it very, very much. So yes, the Patreon. Let's see if I know the information. Okay. At the five dollar level, yeah, what you happens? get into the Discord. It's mm-hmm. like a '90s style chat room, okay. and it's a blast. Mm-hmm. And you get bonus episodes. Yeah, you get a. Do you get a the, sticker? No, no, no. Seven dollars. Oh. We're not 
not giving stuff away seven dollars girl i got my sticker on my car because i yes so at the seven dollar level you get inducted into the supreme court on this very podcast you Mm -hmm. get into the discord Mm -hmm. you get bonus episodes monthly and bonus videos right kai that was great it's very obvious you've had two semesters of something. Uh, I've had many semesters. I listen to every single episode, y'all. I'm a total <laughs> fan, girl. I'm like, oh my god. So, since you're part of the Discord, you well, part of the Patreon, yeah, you know that we had a bonus episode come out last week. So Brandy was induced on a Tuesday. We were going to record the bonus episode, and she was like, mm, can't do that. So Norman yeah. stepped in. He bravely said that he knew the intro to the podcast, so he didn't need to look at the notes. <laughs> I tell you what, that terrified me because I listened and I knew that, you know, you had asked me to do this episode and I was like, I got to be ready. Well, but you knew that I would show you the intro, right? I wouldn't. Well, I think I would have said I don't need it. Yeah. And then you saw me and I was you laughed at me as I was yeah. doing the intro with you because I was so laser focused on this Google <laughs> document because I was like, I am not going to mess this up right now. This is too important. It is too important. The yes. stakes are too high. The stakes are high. I'm subbing for Brandy. Very high stakes. Okay. I've got I've got a really good case. I am so ready. I'm excited. Okay. So thank you to Bobbert Moss and Roro Jamama in the Discord who <laughs> both were like, this is a Kristen case. And let me tell you, it is. Okay. The vast majority of this comes from a 2020 episode. I'm not going to tell you the title because it gives it all away. Spoilers. Got it. Yeah. The love story between Dahlia Mohammed and Michael DiPolito sounds like it comes straight from a fairy tale. Kyla. Okay. It's so romantic. Be ready to cry. I'm barfing already. Let's okay. Go. <laughs> the couple met when Michael was married to another woman. Okay. And the reason they met was because he went on a website called eros.com where he ordered up Dahlia as his escort for the oh, evening. That's not starting out great. <laughs> not a strong start. So Dahlia and Michael met up and they had a great time. Good. I'm glad for them. Good. Yeah, first of all, they're both very attractive, you know, so check. Dahlia has long, dark hair, big, beautiful eyes, a massive mouth, but not mm-hmm. one of those, like, you know, duck things. Like it was natural? Yeah, a natural okay. big mouth. The 2020 episode, they did a ton of slut shaming. I'm not going to no. do that. They Oh, come on, Kristen. <laughs> just a little, like, a miniature. I'm just going to do a little slut like shaming. A little, just a little <laughs> scoop of it. No, so they also, this one woman, okay, so Dahlia, say what you will about her. Dahlia is pretty. Okay. But this one, you know, talking head was like, well, you know, some people say she's pretty. You know, I guess she is it when she has her hair and makeup done. Oh, like, God. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, aren't we all? Exactly. Right? <laughs> Don't judge me when I roll out of bed. <laughs> and then, so our boy Michael looks, and I'm not exaggerating, looks exactly like Ronnie from the Jersey Shore, but maybe a little older. Should I Google image him? No, 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 because no, no, you're no, going to ruin yeah. it. Okay, okay. But you know what Ronnie looks yeah, like. Yeah, well, yeah, acting like I don't yeah, know Ronnie yeah. from the Jersey Shore. I'm not I'm very classy. Who's that? <laughs> so these two got together, and oh my God, they had so much in common. They both loved movies. Okay. And outdoor activities. Okay. And Starbucks. Okay, this is reminding me of, <laughs> you know what this is reminding me of what? as my sister. You know, what does that remind you of? What? The movie A Mighty Wind when 
I think her real name's Jennifer something. I can't remember. But she's married to that super old guy. And she's trying to pretend that they have a lot in common. And she's just like... We both like model trains. We could talk or not talk. It's best for in hours. show, right? Yeah, it's best in show. Oh, it is. Yeah, best. yeah. Yes, you're right. It is best because in she's show. secretly in love with her dog trainer. Yes, yes, mm. yes. Spoiler alert. Spoiler. But it's that same thing where it's like, oh, we, you both like movies. You both like food. You both breathe oxygen. We could talk or not, not talk, talk for, for hours. hours. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So they have nothing in common. But, like, yeah, two people like movies and outdoor activity and Starbucks. Great. Wow. Sorry, is that a bad drink? <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm trying not to make a lot of mouth noises. Oh, don't worry about it. If, if you and I sound this, like... Okay, Brandy has the laugh. I have the gross mouth sounds. And oh, really? Our editor, like, yeah. So anytime we have an editor for the podcast, we only have two. Yeah. But like in the introduction, I'm like, look, Brandy says um a lot, so you're going to take that out. Yeah. And I am like, ew. I know. Ew. I know. It's gross. That's why I tell them to cut it out. <laughs> Except for they'll have to leave that in. Yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> well, now, the good thing is just in normal day-to-day life, mm-hmm. I don't notice that you do that. In normal day-to-day life, you're not a mouth noise person, which is important because I would never spend time with you if you were. <laughs> if I constantly sounded like I needed a beverage. Yes, yes. Okay, so these two were great. They're super into each other. Yes, Michael was married, but he told Dahlia, I'm going through a divorce. He also told her, although she says he didn't tell her, but, you know, okay. He says he told her that he had been a bit of a douche. In his past, mm-hmm. he had gone to prison for conning old people. Oh, no. <laughs> he was one of those guys. It is sad. I shouldn't laugh. Well, the people that you don't want your grandma picking up the phone Ex- and talking to. Okay, a, that's yeah. exactly. So he would call old people and be like, hey, I've got a huge investment opportunity for you. And he'd just take their money. Mm. Eventually, he got caught. He pled guilty to organized scheme to defraud, unlicensed telemarketing, and grand theft. Okay. So he'd served two years in prison. So when Dahlia and Mike met, he was still on probation. But none of this mattered because they hit it off so hard. He got divorced. Five days later, they went to the courthouse and got married. Oh, no. That's how in love they were. (laughs) They took their venti lattes (laughs) and they were like... Bitch, let's go. Let's go on an outdoor activity to the courthouse. (laughs) And man, things were so great. Dahlia knew how badly Mike wanted to get off probation, but a big stumbling block was that he owed restitution to his victims. Mm. So he had a much better shot of getting off of probation if he paid back the money he owed to all these people. So Dahlia was like, let's tackle this thing together. She was like, you owe like $191,000 in restitution. How about this? You get a hundred grand, I'll pitch in 91 grand, and I'll wire the money to your lawyer. Don't this sounds crazy. No. Like, how is that? Sounds generous. How long is he on probation for that it's worth all that? That's what I want to know. Well, I assume he has to pay restitution. Regardless. Regardless. Okay. And so a way to get off probation faster is maybe to pay this restitution. Okay, okay. And how generous of her to uh-huh. work up 91 grand and handle that pesky wire transfer. Because, you know, nobody wants to have to deal with that. Nobody wants to do a wire transfer. No. But Dahlia never quite got around to making that wire transfer. 
for the record, Dahlia says this didn't happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Mike's saying, yeah, she took a hundred grand and then like was like, Ugh. Okay, I did not understand that when you said that initially. I thought he was transferring a hundred thousand and then she was transferring ninety one thousand. He was supposed to transfer a hundred to her. He transferred a hundred to her. She was gonna match it with match her ninety one and okay, then handle okay. that wire transfer. Got it, got it, got it. So that didn't happen, but Michael didn't have much time to worry about that because things were getting really weird for him. One day he decided to whisk Dahlia away to the Ritz Carlton. It was going to be a fun, romantic getaway. But on their way there, a police officer stopped them and was like, hey, we received an anonymous tip that you're a drug dealer and you're dealing drugs out of your Tahoe. Huh. And Mike was like, what? Because he wasn't dealing drugs. Yeah. But the officer asked if he could search Mike's vehicle and Mike said, sure. So the officer searched it. Didn't find anything. But the next day... Mike, okay, my understanding is he went to a gas station, pulled off the mm-hmm. tanky thing. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, 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 the gas cap, the Thank gas you. cap. And when he did that, holy shit, there's this, like, baggie of, like, an assortment of pills. Stop. What? Uh-huh. Okay, could I back up real quick yeah, and just yeah. say, like, if you're having to pay all this stuff back, you should not be going, this is like the Daryl Pitts in me coming out. This is 100% the DP. <laughs> You should not be going to the Ritz-Carlton. You should be going to the Hotel Motel Holiday Inn. That is the most Daryl Pitts it thing absolutely anyone is, has but ever it's like said. Everything you were saying after that, I was so fixated <laughs> on like, they shouldn't be doing that. First of all, he shouldn't be paying for sex. He should be having free sex. Free right? sex so at He should home. have never even had the escort. Save your money. Uh-huh. Retirement accounts. Save early. <laughs> it matters, guys. This is... <laughs> You guys are being sponsored by, like, a Roth IRA. By Daryl Pitts. Yes. Money-saving tips. Yes. Okay, so he finds a bunch Mm -hmm. of pills inside the gas cap. And he's like, holy shit, someone is trying to frame me. Yeah. He actually asked Dahlia if she put the drugs in his truck, and she's like, no! So, that was weird. It made Mike nervous because if he got caught with drugs, he'd be in violation of his probation and he'd have to go back to prison. Yeah. And Mike did not want to go back to prison. He had his life all straightened out. Every day, he got up super early for an intense workout at L.A. Fitness. Mm-hmm. Getting and his Ronnie body bo- yeah. bodybuilding out. That doesn't happen naturally. You got to work at it. Yeah. Then he went to Starbucks, <laughs> got a little drink. Then he went to his AA meeting. This dude had a schedule and he stuck to it. He was super disciplined because he wanted to stay on the right track. And also he wanted to be buff and hot. So Mm -hmm. there you go. I mean, same, yeah. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, despite the fact that he worked out religiously and maintained, I assume, a strict diet, just from looking at him, I think a strict diet, he had little, little love handles. Yeah. And they just embarrassed the shit out of him. Was he going to get surgery and get him? Yeah, he got liposuction. Oh, my gosh. Florida, I'm telling you. I honestly... In the Midwest, we're just, like, embarrassed, but we don't go into the night. You just get you bigger size pants at Old Navy. <laughs> yes. You don't worry about that. I, I feel bad that people are so fixated on those little things. Like... I don't know. I feel bad for Ronnie or whatever his name is. Michael. Michael. Okay. I'm. Yeah. I know. I. 
even though he like ripped off old people, I was kind of like, oh, dude, you've got a nice body. Yeah, I don't feel think about the good things. <laughs> Unless maybe, well, no, you have to have a nice body to look like Ronnie from Jersey Shore. So yeah, yeah. it can't all be fake. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, you know, he got liposuction to remove his little love handles. And I assume he was pleased with the results. But the downside was he couldn't work out for a while. Mm -hmm. He had to recover. So on August 5th, 2009, at about 6 a.m., Mike was lying in bed recovering from lipo. And Dahlia got up to go to the gym. And on her way out of their townhouse, she was like, okay, toodles, I'm going to go get my pump on, and maybe I'll bring you home some Starbucks. Mm-hmm. This woman fucking loved Starbucks. Did they like, seriously, like, love... Plugged it all the time. Loved okay. Starbucks. And Mike's like, okay, cool. Yeah. So she goes to the gym, and she's working on her fitness, when all of a sudden she gets a phone call from the police. She didn't pick up. Because she was dedicated to her workout. Uh, what? So, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this dude had to leave a message and be like, hey, I'm a detective. Call me back. Mm-hmm. So she did. And the guy was like, I need you to come home immediately. And she's like, okay. She has. I told you I wasn't going to do a lot of slut shaming. Yeah. I'm going to do some voice mm-hmm. shaming. She has the most annoying do it. voice you've do ever it. heard. Yeah. So it's a combination of... Vocal fry, valley girl, lisp. Oh, my. So she's like, okay, if everything okay? <laughs> no, it's, it's really bad. See, that's the kind of thing where even as the detective in, like, a professional and difficult situation, I'd be like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's really bad. It's bad. You can, Come quick. <laughs> so she's like, what's going on? <laughs> and the guy's like, I just need you to come home, and I'll tell you what's going on when you get here. Dahlia was in a panic. (laughs) Dahlia was in a panic. She rushed home, didn't even stop at Starbucks. Oh, my gosh. And, of course, there were cop cars everywhere. And caution tape, as far as the eye could see, there was a film crew because the TV show Cops, Rest in Peace, was there filming. Mm Mm-hmm. Dahlia rushed up to Sergeant Frank Ramsey, who was very buff and hot, and asked what was going on. Everyone in this story is hot. Where is this happening? It's in Florida. We're it's in Palm Florida. Beach County. Oh. It's Boynton Beach, I think is what it's called. Okay. But, you know, people are hotter in Florida. They've yeah. got to be. They wear less clothing. So. Exactly. So she's there in her little leggings and tank top and a little black Adidas hat looking pretty good. And poor hot Sergeant Frank had to give her the terrible news. He said, listen, we had a report of a disturbance at your house and there were shots fired. Is your husband Michael? And she's like, uh-huh. And he said, okay, I'm sorry to tell you, ma'am, he's been killed. Mm. Okay. We're going to do a little acting now. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> so the line is, okay, I'm sorry to tell you, ma'am, he's been killed. Can you say that to me? Kristen, and I was <laughs> president of Thespian Troop number 888 at Shawnee Mission Northwest High I remember. School. You've been training for this day your whole this. life. Okay, wait, and I will be Dahlia. Okay. What's the line again? Okay. I'm sorry to tell you, ma'am. He's been killed. Okay. Okay. I'm sorry to tell you this, ma'am, but he's been killed. Ah! Oh, my. <laughs> Too much. No, 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 no. It's like she knew what the end what? of the sentence was. What? Yeah. Uh-huh. 
Kyla, what? Yeah, mm-hmm, she knew too much. Maybe she was like Miss Cleo. Maybe she had <laughs> some psychic abilities. Uh-huh. She was like, I know the word killed is coming. She had the free read and she knew all about it. She lost it so hard. Oh, oh no, 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 no. She even did that like open mouth thing where it's just, ah. <laughs> and Frank, I must say, didn't have the best bedside manner because he's just like, Try to calm down, ma'am. And she's like, "Ah, I want to see him. Do you think he knew from the get-go this is a bunch of BS? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, you would imagine how mad you would be as a detective. Somebody's Mm -hmm. throwing on this display and Mm -hmm. you're having to watch it. And you know the whole time this person's full of shit. How does he know she's full of shit? Because she jumped the gun and was bawling before he even finished the sentence. Okay, okay. Yeah. So Frank's like, I'm sorry, ma'am. We need your help. We need you to help us find your husband's killer. Let's go back to the station where we can ask you a few questions. And she's like, okay, (laughs) my dogs. And they're like, we took care of the dogs. You know, it's like. And it's all on tape because of cops? Because of cops. Oh, my Mm -hmm. gosh. Cops is there. On on the scene. So now it's like 7 a.m. And they've got her in a little interrogation room. And she was like, I don't want to, I don't know, let me do her voice. I don't want to be videotaped. And this dude, Sergeant Paul Sheridan, was like, well, that's just part of it. Yeah. And she was like, I want to see Mike. And he's like, trust me, you don't. Oh, God. And Sergeant Paul started asking her, you know, all the normal questions. Does your husband have any enemies? Is there anyone who would want him dead? And Dahlia was super helpful she's like well i mean he did go to prison you uh-huh. know for ripping off a ton of people and you know maybe it's revenge of the old people you know she didn't know she, <laughs> did, she didn't say that I was like dahlia you clever girl <laughs> maybe you know he was trying to get off probation maybe he pissed people off or maybe it's some of the dudes that he ran the scheme with maybe they were mad you know they didn't all go to prison maybe it was um She's got too many ideas. I'll tell you, like, right now, it's like... It's brainstorming. There's yeah, no, she, no, no, no ideas in brainstorming. <laughs> oh, my god! And so, so the officer's like, well, can you give me any names? And she's like, I don't know any... Well, Pascal. Pascal. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, all right. And um, also, you know, Mike's a recovering alcoholic, and um, he used to smoke crack. So, you know, there's just a wide variety of possibilities. And Paul's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, lots of potential suspects. But but you two, you're good, right? And she's like, oh, yeah, we're fine. The marriage is awesome. <laughs> but, but, you know, all I know is he wouldn't open the door for a stranger. We don't open the door for strangers. It, only people we know. Wow. So. <laughs> you're... I- your voice, like, your voice is on the podcast, and this is another one of them. Chef's kiss, Kristen. Oh, thank you. It's excellent. Thank you. It's like I'm in the room with Dahlia, I'm sure. You know, we received a complaint. About your voices? <laughs> yes. Why? What was wrong with it? Some some lady on Twitter, like, a couple weeks ago, it was when I did some Southern accents, so oh. it was, you know, I was really busting out some material, Yeah, and she was like... I like the podcast, but please stop with the accents. It's terrible. Oh, and no. I just responded, no. Oh! <laughs> Kristen doesn't have time for that mess. No. no. So time passes, and at one point, they brought in this random dude into the interrogation room. 
And this dude looked so ashamed. He was in handcuffs and he was looking down and the officer said to the guy, do you know her? He pointed to Dahlia. And the officer said, put your head up. But the handcuffed guy, oh, he was so embarrassed. He like didn't want to look. And the officer said, what were you doing coming out of her house? And of course, you know, Dahlia was just stunned. She's like, I've never seen him. <laughs> never seen him. Who's that? <laughs> Kyla. <laughs> Excuse me. This may surprise you. Uh-huh. But Dahlia was full of shit. And she full knew that it. dude. Full yeah. of it. <laughs> she had seen that man before. In fact, she had hired him to murder her mm. husband. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What she did not know was that she'd hired an undercover Stop! cop to do the job. <laughs> Those are laser beams. Because we're laser <laughs> beams coming from our arms. Oh, that is. It's the best. The best. The best. So Who did she? I mean, I'm just like. How do you get, how how do you run into an undercover cop? Is she like Googling hiring a hitman? And then, okay, quick aside. Yeah. Things that you Google. So mm-hmm. today, my daughter Alexandra had a really bad nosebleed. And it's like, I don't know what happened, but like some blood got on the wall. And I was like, what am I going to do? Maybe I should just Google how to get blood out of the walls. And then I was like, nope, nope. nope. Seen enough true crime. Like, no. Okay, so anyway, did she like Google hire a hitman and then the police know and then they listen and find okay, out? Okay, all right, all right. So let's travel back in time to figure out how we got here. According to the most widely accepted version of this story, and it's the version I believe, just to be honest, Dahlia wanted Mike gone from the Mm get-go. She tried to get him put in prison by planting drugs in his car and by calling the police on him. And when that didn't work out, she decided that she wanted him dead. Oh, my God. She had been married to Mike for six whole months, which marriage is hard, but it's not that hard. Mm -hmm. And evidently, that was, like, plenty of time because she's like, man, I'm ready for this dude to be donezo. So she called up her friend, Mohammed Shihad, who... Like, everyone in this story is super hot. He's an aspiring actor. I, evidently, he was on an episode of Burn Notice. Hmm. I don't know. Loves to gamble, yada, yada, yada. They'd been lovers and friends for years. Okay. So on July 31st, 2009, Dahlia reached out to Muhammad and was like, Hey, Mike is super controlling. He's physically abusive. He's emotionally abusive. This dude needs to go. I don't want a divorce. I want him dead. So Muhammad is like, whoa, okay. He's super uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because apparently Dahlia told him that she'd already tried to kill Mike and it hadn't worked. Had she really? What'd she do? (laughs) I mean, it's not funny, but she went to Starbucks. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You can't make it up. So she went to Starbucks, got two iced teas, one for her, one for him. But she laced his with antifreeze. Oh, no. And so Mike took one sip and was like, ew, this is disgusting. Yeah, something's wrong with this. And he, like, didn't finish it, and he says he was sick for, like, two weeks. Ugh. So Dahlia was talking about how she wanted Mike dead, and Muhammad was like, she seemed serious. He immediately got worried. Like, okay, if Mike winds up dead, the police might suspect me. And I don't want to get in trouble for something that I didn't do. Mm -hmm. So 
as soon as they were done talking, Muhammad like went to the police station and was like, oh hello, this gosh. hot woman is trying to murder her hot husband. Please send your hottest officer to intervene. On By behalf of this hot man yeah, yeah. speaking to you right now. <laughs> yes. By the way, I don't know her last name or where she lives. Good luck. And the police are like, wow, okay. We're going to need you to wear a wire. Oh. And Muhammad agrees. And on August 1st, 2009, Muhammad called up Dahlia and was like, hey, meet me at the mobile gas station at 4.30. So she shows up, got in the car. She had no idea she was being recorded. Had no idea there were video cameras inside Muhammad's car. So right away, bing, bang, boom, she starts talking about wanting Mike dead. And Muhammad was like, good news. I know a guy. He's a very serious guy, though, and he will do this job. And she's like, well, how am I going to know when he's going to do it? Um, <laughs> and mom is like it's not like when you win the lottery and that dude comes to your house with the check and you don't know it's coming and you're like got no bra on like, you get it scheduled girl he's like well I don't know he might call you he might tell you to like go out of town for the day and she's like and this this bugs me more than anything she goes but I'm not going out of town oh my god Isn't oh that my so god I mean, I know we're getting mad about the wrong thing. Yes. But, yes. but holy shit, we're trying to arrange a hit here, and you yeah. can't even, like, pretend that you're going to go at it. But I'm not going to go at it. That would be a lie, Kristen. She doesn't <laughs> want to lie. Jeez. I don't know. Go to Pete's Coffee. But I prefer Starbucks. Yeah. <laughs> so then she forks over $1,200 for the hitman to buy a gun. Uh-huh. Because the hitman doesn't have a gun. Right, right. <laughs> anyway. Hitman without a gun. And she shared two pictures of Mike so this dude would know who to murder. And the whole time she was like, no one's going to suspect me. A couple days went by. Then Muhammad was like, hey, I want you to meet up with the hitman to iron out all the details. And she's like, absolutely. So she agreed to meet her hitman in a CVS parking lot. So police officer Witty Jean went undercover in his best hitman It's a outfit. man named Witty Jean? Yeah. Is that a normal name? I don't know. Okay. W-I-D-Y is the first name, and Jean is the last name. Okay. Okay. Okay, Kyla. Yeah. You're going undercover as a hitman. What uh-huh. do you wear? What do I wear? Yep. Um, probably some chaps. <laughs> um, I don't know. I feel like you just wear like neutrals. Okay. You know, blacks or grays or uh-huh. some browns, you know, just very neutral. Mm-hmm. Okay. I really enjoyed Witty Jean's outfit. He was in a pair of basketball shorts and a t-shirt that had the recycling logo on it, you uh-huh. know, the triangle logo, but over the top of the logo it said Regifter. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> <laughs> and Dahlia showed up to the meeting in a cute little sundress and he's like, "You look good." And she's like, "Thank you." And the vibe was kind of casual but also businessy, and she was like, how soon can this happen? He's like, that's up to you. But oh, by the way, I need more money because that $1,200, that was just for the gun and I had to buy a phone and I had to buy some other stuff. And, you know, being a hitman sure is expensive. In fact, I've already spent more than $1,200 just to get to where we are today. Uh-huh. And she's like, mm-hmm, okay. At one point he was like, are you sure you want me to kill this dude? Because once we're done here in our super secret CVS meeting... There's no turning back. I'm going to kill this guy. 
and there will be no way for you to reach me. There will be no way for you to call this off. And she said, I'm positive, like 5,000% sure. Oh, no. 5,000 5, That is sure. the most percent. Everyone <laughs> knows there's no percent over. She That's blew it. the top off of that. And then she said, I'm a lot tougher than what I look. I know you came here and you're like, oh, what a cute little girl or whatever. But you know, I'm not. <laughs> not just a cute girl. She's not just a pretty face. She wants I to know, be a murderer too. I know that everyone looks at me and says, oh, what a cute little girl. But I'm more than that. That's that's what they say every time they look at me, Kyla. Oh my gosh. My whole life. Your whole life, Kristen. <laughs> More than just a pretty Ooh. face. I can also commit murders too for yeah, hire. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so they made the arrangements that on Wednesday she'd go to the gym and she'd come back home and oh no, sad times she'd find Mike's dead body. Meanwhile, the police were like, we're doing a great job with this case. We're going to look so cool when the episode of Cops comes out. Which, I do want to pause here. Mm -hmm. The police were obviously very proud of this. I don't think you should be proud when someone just comes in and says someone's trying to do a murder for hire. Like someone has handed you... On a silver a trophy. platter. They've handed yeah. you the case. At, yeah, they were excited for the win. It was like an easy layup. Uh-huh. They were pumped. But they're acting like, oh, we did all Look this. at all the things we have done. Yeah. I'm on record. I'm just not super impressed. Fair. Witty Jean, step it up. No, I liked Witty Jean. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody I liked else his top. But Witty Jean. He had a great top. So on the day of Mike's murder, they waited for Dahlia to go to the gym and they knocked, knockety knocked on the door of the townhouse and Mike answered it, all kind of sleepy and perfectly lipoed. And they were like, hey man, your wife's trying to kill you today. Oh my we're gonna God. need you to get out of here. I mean, I didn't write down the exact quote, but it was that casual. It was just like, hey, your wife's trying to kill you today. We need to get you to get out of here. And poor Mike was like. It's so he surreal. Kinda, like, he kind of like stumbled back, like he, you're not prepared for this moment. No. Um, <laughs> so he really... <laughs> Mike did not see this coming, and this is a quote, because their sex life was incredible. I mean... <laughs> what? <laughs> what does that even... You you can't possibly think that your wife's going to kill you when you have when such an incredible, incredible sex, sex life. life. Well, also, like... I mean, she was a sex worker, so she was probably She was a professional. She was a professional, so she's used to making you think she's having a good time. Yeah. Don't be fooled, Mike. Mike. Oh, my God. He thought he was with an amateur. Well, based on what you just said, it's like Mike was more hurt about the sex being (laughs) fake than the fact that he was about to get murdered. Well, you know, this was, he said that quote in retrospect. It wasn't <laughs> It wasn't like, what? No, what? we just I mean, had That sex. was the immediate, when he opened the door and yeah. they said that, they was like, but the sex was so good. You've got the wrong guy. So Mike skedaddled and the police did a lovely job with the set design with their caution tape. They even put fingerprint dust all over the condo door to make it look like, mm, Ooh, mm-hmm. I love it. Wouldn't you love to be setting that scene and that you're would just be like, you're just fun. faking it and yeah. having fun, joking with your friends. They put the patrol cars everywhere, the works. And then they called Dahlia, and she arrived at the scene. By the way, in the 2020 episode, so the first guy, he calls Dahlia, and he messes up her last name, and she has to correct, like, because mm-hmm. it's Dippolito. So he said mm-hmm. it I, He said it kind of funny. And in the 2020 episode, they're like, 
he purposely missaid her name to throw her off. And like, no, he didn't. What? Yeah, no. They, they try to like. I was about to say something gross. What? I think sometimes in 2020 in Dateline, they oh. kind of jerk off the cops a little yeah, bit because they've yeah. given all this footage. But it's like, yeah, it's like, no, they're allowed to make a mistake. This guy messed up the last name. It wasn't mm-hmm. some, ooh, you know, brilliant plan. Ooh. So anyway, Dahlia comes. She arrived. You know, she did her best acting as the grieving widow. So now we're back to where I left off earlier. Dahlia is in the interrogation room. They've just brought in the undercover cop. Yes. Who she hired as a hitman, and she's like, I've never seen him. Uh Uh-huh. I'm ready. At this point, Sergeant Paul was like, okay, the jig's up. Sorry. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, For the listeners, that was like a burp that Kristen stifled, but it still managed to escape just a little bit. Just wanted to keep everybody updated on what's going on in here. Patty, please censor both of those. (laughs) So, Paul is like, the jig is up. You're being arrested for solicitation of murder. That was an undercover police officer. We recorded the whole thing. We know everything. You are caught. And she was like, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I'm just in my sundress. I'm just a cute little girl. (laughs) I know you look at me and you think I'm just a cute little girl. And I am. I am. I am. And he's like, hey, we took pictures of you in the CVS parking lot. We know the whole story. And she's just still, I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. But of course, they arrested her. And as they did, they were like, by the way, Mike is alive. And she's like, thank God. Oh, God. (laughs) Okay, I thought the cop was going to lose it. Because he's like, oh, thank God. Like, he's so I'm so so glad he mocked her. That's funny. (laughs) So they opened the door. And Mike was standing right outside the interrogation oh room, God. very much alive. They've shown him all the tapes. You know, he knows now. And, you know, he's looking very cocky, very alive. And Dolly is there, handcuffed. And she's like, Mike, please, come here, please, come here. And he stood back. He's like, no. After her arrest, Dahlia called Mike from jail. And she was like, Mike, can you please come here? Okay, I listened to an extended version of their conversation. It is so crazy, infuriating, and it's the most entitled thing you've ever heard. She ordered a hit on this man, and then she's like, you're not helping. Come get me. Hire me an attorney, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my gosh. So she's like, Mike, please, I need an attorney. Please help me. And he's like, you said you wanted to have me killed. I heard that. And she's like, that is not true. That is not true. How can you believe that? And he goes, I heard your voice. At one point, bless this guy. I actually do kind of like him. He was just, because he'd done time before, and he was like, yeah. look, just keep your head down. Do don't, your time. Don't say much. You know, just, you're going to be alone in there for a while. Just, you know. Wow. Come on. Ugh. So the police were very proud of themselves for the work that they'd done with the fake set design work, fake crime scene. They'd done some acting that any community theater would have been proud of. Mm-hmm. And best of all, they had that video footage of Dahlia fake wailing about the news of Mike's death. So the day they arrested her, they uploaded the video for everyone to see. What? The video of her being told that her husband was dead. They she uploaded starts, it for yes, everybody to see? Yes, yes. Okay, I only have two semesters of any kind. <laughs> it was like undergrad and not what I was focused on, but like, 
Shouldn't you not do that until charges come and like everything? Well, she'd been charged. She'd been charged. So the deal is, this is Florida. And Florida has like the most open laws about, you know, freedom of information everywhere. Um, But still, yeah, this seems kind of nuts that like the day this went down they just like uploaded this video and of course the media went crazy oh absolutely these hot people this crazy story and she's like wailing before he's even said your husband's been killed you know comedy gold oh my gosh in april of 2011 dahlia's trial began The prosecution couldn't have asked for a better case. They had all the footage. They had the undercover cop. They had Muhammad. They had her on tape saying she wanted Mike dead. They had her on tape paying for a handgun. They had her on tape saying she was 5,000% sure she wanted him gone. The prosecution put Mike up on the stand, and he did a pretty good job. He owned up to his sketchy past, and he talked about his marriage and how he thought it was great sex was great sex was incredible yeah. jury i don't know what to tell you and how blindsided he'd been by the murder for hire plot during cross-examination dahlia's lawyer michael sonlik was like hell-bent on getting under mike's skin and just really bringing up like that he's been on probation and he's on probation and he's on probation so he keeps bringing it up and bringing it up and bringing it up and finally mike goes you're like a parrot And the lawyer goes, a parrot? What does that mean? I've been called a lot of things. but And Mike goes, did you do that on probation? Were you on probation? You know what I'm talking about. I'm just having fun with you. Come on. (laughs) And the jury must have thought, everyone Everyone laughed because, you know, fair point. Then the prosecution told the jury about a man named Michael Stanley. He was Dahlia's ex-boyfriend, and apparently he'd helped Dahlia plant the drugs in Mike's car. Mm. And so the prosecution had this theory that Dahlia wanted Mike DiPolito killed so that she could have all of his money and all of his possessions and then go bang her hot ex-boyfriend. Another source I heard said that, like, Mike had this townhouse, and I don't know how much it was worth, but I don't think it was just crazy. Mm-hmm. But she had this fantasy that she and her other Mike boyfriend were going to move to New York City and buy an apartment like, and I'm not making this up, Carrie and Big have in it, the Sex in the City movie. What? Yeah, in <laughs> Sex in the City too, where they have that big, nice apartment. That's what they were going to get. Girl, I'm going to need you to get on Zillow <laughs> and look at the prices <laughs> yeah. and just have a reality check. And they were going to be great parents. What? And because they'd have a nanny full time, so they'd still be able to do fun things like go out and all Go that. outside. Yeah. Like yeah. go outside yeah. for outside activities. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So the prosecution has this theory that, you know, Dahlia wants to kill Mike so that she could have all his money and all of his stuff and then go bang her ex-boyfriend. So to prove this, a detective had to get up on the stand and read all these steamy text messages that Michael and Dahlia had sent to each other. And I don't think I've ever laughed out loud at a 2020 episode, but I did this time because they've got this like very professional, nice looking detective up on the stand and he has to say things like, do you want my hot, tight body all over you? (laughs) And love you so much. I'm so horny for you. Baby, I love you, and I only want to fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) So the prosecution showed all the footage of Dahlia ordering the murder, blah, 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 blah. But the defense was like, okay, all right. You guys are all very confused about what's really going on here. Let's set the record straight. This whole thing was a hoax. 
Dahlia was acting the whole time. Why? She was acting when the police confronted her outside her condo. She was acting with the hitman. You see, this was all really just Mike DiPolito's idea because Mike and Dahlia set this whole thing up because they wanted to become reality TV stars. Stop. <laughs> what? Yes, and they thought that this would be the way to do it. It was a stunt. Oh, <laughs> my god! It was a hoax. It was a ruse. I mean, I don't want to act like I wouldn't watch them on reality TV because <laughs> I 100% would. Yeah. That is my level of intellect when it comes to television. But, no, that is... That's the best they could... I mean, I guess, what are you going to say? I mean, What I, are you going to say? This is really stupid, though. I yeah, mean, it is so stupid. so ridiculous. So, <laughs> so their whole thing was like, they pulled this wacky stunt in the hope that it would catch the attention of reality TV producers. Cops. It did. It was cops, and they got <laughs> the attention, and now they're famous. And now they're in big trouble. So are you ready for the evidence? Okay, Yes. So they had someone come on the stand and be like, yes, you know, sometimes people will do wacky things to get fame and it works. Then they had another person. <laughs> what? That was it? Well, that was one. That was just one. Oh, that was just one. Of, okay, yeah, you ready it, for another? Um, then the defense called an ex- expert witness who told the jury that Dahlia had looked up reality TV casting calls on her computer one time. I'm sure she did. Yeah. Yeah. So, for obvious reasons, everyone made fun of this defense. It was so deeply stupid. Yeah. So stupid. Because, I mean, for a number of reasons, but one of them would be, okay, so the cops take you back to the station. They start accusing you. At what point wouldn't you be like, oh, my gosh, you guys, you know what? I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. I know he's alive. You know, this is just a hoax. I mean, come on. Yes. In closing arguments, prosecutor Elizabeth Parker said Dahlia was like poisoned candy, attractive on the outside, but deadly on the inside. Oh, my. <laughs> oh. That's... She later wrote a book about it and called it Poison Candy. So I, I bet she, she really did. liked that line. She, I could see that. Mm-hmm. She's not just a good girl in a sundress, yeah. poison candy. You think she's just this cute little girl, but she's poison I'm candy. I'm missing you like candy. <laughs> Mandy Moore. Missing you circa, like candy. I don't know. 98? 97? I was thinking 01, but 01? I could be wrong. Whatever. Fact check, Patty? No. No, no. <laughs> the jury deliberated for three hours and found her guilty. Dahlia was sentenced to 20 years. Afterward, Mike told the media that he was 5,000% happy with her sentence. Excellent, Mike. <laughs> but this story is far from over. No, what? Because Dahlia's legal team appealed. On what grounds? Um, and I'm with them on this. They said that the jury at her trial had been improperly selected because her attorney had wanted to talk to every single juror about, like, how much they knew about this case from the media because, I guess, they had, like, 50 or something people in there. And they were like, okay, how many of you have heard about this case? And, of course, it was huge news. So, like, half the people raised their hand, and the attorney wanted to individually talk to them and say, okay, how much do you know? But the judge was like, no, you can't do that. So the appellate court was like, hmm, 
you know, we kind of agree with you. Dahlia, you know, her attorney should have been allowed to question all those jurors. She didn't get a fair trial, so she deserves a new one. Oh, my gosh. So... Take two electric boogaloo. Electric boogaloo, (laughs) indeed. It's 2015, and Dahlia's got a brand new legal team. Brian Claypool and Mark Mark Arglarsh. E-I-G-L-A-R-S-H. Iglarsh. Iglarsh? Iglarsh. Sure. Let me tell you, these two guys, not afraid of the spotlight, not afraid of some bronzer. Okay. Especially Brian. (laughs) He is bronzed. He's a bronzed little cutie pie. So they immediately had Dahlia talk to the press for a little image rehab. And they were like, oh, yeah, that reality TV show defense from her first trial, we're doubling down on it. That was good. We're going to do that again. Wow. Yep. They claimed that Dahlia, Mike, and Muhammad all worked together on this big hoax. They wanted to create enough acting footage to splice together for a good YouTube video. That was the plan, Kyla. It just got out of control. Kristen, you know how much people can make off of YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) I know you and Norm are rolling. Norm's whole career is based on a hoax that one time he put out a video about some video games, and here we sit today. (laughs) In this mansion. In this mansion, that's right. In the Sex in the City style apartment. (laughs) But Mike was like, well, okay, but like Muhammad and I have never actually met, so obviously we didn't collab for a YouTube video. But this was no time for the truth. So now it's February of 2016. And Dahlia's new attorneys are trying to get her case thrown out at a pretrial hearing. And Dahlia took the stand. Oh, no, she didn't. Oh, it was wonderful. I loved it. Oh, I should give a shout out. I listened to an episode of a podcast that I'd never listened to before. Okay. It's called Court Junkie. And they had an episode on this. And someone had said it was good. And it had a lot of good stuff. So Dahlia takes the stand. And she's like, yeah, this is all an acting project for social media. And the prosecutor was like, oh, okay, cool, cool. An acting project. Hey, um, where was your script? Where were your notes? And she's like, um, we didn't take the script with us. We looked at it. We didn't take it with us. And the guy was like, okay, so but where is the script? Do you, do you have copies of it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, at, at the house. Where in your house? In the office, we have in the where in your office? Oh my god! On the computer. Where's that computer? I I don't know. It's I Mike has. I don't know where it is now. The, oh, the police didn't take the computer. No, they didn't take the computer. <laughs> oh like, so no! Stupid. And he's like, okay, okay. So if this was all for TV, why weren't the camera angles better? Because you know, in all right. this footage. You know, it's hidden cameras, and they're, like, in the back of the car so that hopefully she doesn't see them. So this prosecutor's like, if it's for TV, why didn't they put it in front of you so we could Mm -hmm. see your face better? And she's like, I wasn't the one taping it. I don't know. So he's just like, okay, cool, but your husband and your ex-lover and you... They were, you were all super stoked about this acting project, and you talked about it a ton. She's like, yes, yes. And he goes... So do you have any texts about it? Because we know you guys texted a lot. Yeah. So obviously you had to mention this in some texts. And she's like, mm, 
we made a bunch of phone calls. It was mainly phone calls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I never mentioned it in a single uh-huh. text. Uh-huh. This so, so stupid. Her whole position was that this had been an acting project, but Muhammad, like a total dum-dum, had gone to the police to make it more real. But once she found out that he'd gone to the police, she was like, mm-mm, I'm out. But then she and Muhammad met at Chili's. Well, yeah. <laughs> All the things go down yes, at Chili's. everything goes down at Chili's. Having fun in the neighborhood. And he was wearing a wire, but... And this is true. They did meet at the Chili's. We know this. He was wearing a wire, but... According to the police, the wire malfunctioned. And, you know, the defense is, of course, saying, yeah, maybe it malfunctioned. Maybe they heard what was said and they destroyed the tape, you know. Well, that worked out well for the defense. I mean. Well, yeah, because wait till you hear what happened at this meeting at Chili's. Well, I'm sure it was revolutionary. You ready? Yeah. So, you know, Dahlia told him, hey, I don't want anything more to do with this acting project. And he was like, well, too bad. You have to. And then... Right there in the chilies, he boom shows her his gun. <laughs> he showed her his gun, and she's like, "Oh my god!" And so that's why she'd played along with this whole thing because she was in her life was in danger. She knocked okay. over that two for twenty, like. Yeah. <laughs> so the judge was like, "Okay, this this is stupid. Yeah, I'm not dismissing this case. You need to go to trial." The defense also tried to get the trial moved out of Palm Beach County, which I don't blame them. Um, but the judge was like, nope, you're staying here. Mm-hmm. So now it's December of 2016, and Dahlia's second trial began. This time, the prosecution didn't bother calling Mike DiPolito. They also didn't call Muhammad. Instead, just my personal commentary, like a really lazy teacher when they didn't want to work, they like roll in the TV uh-huh. on the cart and then just roll the tapes. So they just rolled the tapes. That was it. They didn't really, I mean, my personal opinion, I think they kind of phoned it in. Yeah. The prosecution rested their case after like one day of testimony. Wow. Yeah. The defense was like, ooh, shit, because... I think they must have thought they had plenty of time, but obviously they didn't. So by this point, they were like, okay, that reality TV show tactic doesn't seem to be working. We're going to try a new tactic. So they did. They focused on police misconduct. They were like, these police officers were obsessed with being on cops. Okay. This was all about them looking good on TV. Yeah, Yeah. I don't think this is bad at all. That's not a bad defense. And, you know, these cops, they tossed Dahlia under the bus. They could have cared less about her constitutional rights. This was all about having their good moment on TV. Mm-hmm. So because the prosecution rested its case so quickly, the defense had to, like, scramble to get Muhammad to show up. So they called him, and they were like, hey, we need you in this courtroom in, like, 30 minutes. And oh he was my like, oh, my God, okay. So he showed up in a white T-shirt and basketball shorts. That's what I was going to say. He's probably yeah. in his own re-gifter recycle yes. tank top. <laughs> yes. He's not sitting around in a suit yeah. waiting for, you know, a defense attorney to call him. So... He told the jury that his experience with the police had been kind of shitty. He said that when he originally went to the cops, it was because he wanted them to help Dahlia because he thought she was a victim of domestic abuse and he wanted them to help her. But he'd been Hmm. forced. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, I don't know. I'm not really with him on this. I can understand you go in for one reason, but what do you expect the cops to do when you tell them, 
she has tried to poison him before, and now yeah. she wants a hitman. Do you think, like, he... I hate to say it like this, but he, like, was under her spell again? Like, she got to him again and kind of talked him back into being on her side like she was trying to do with Michael. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's super manipulative. Yeah. Yeah. But also so was he because what was he doing at that Chili's with that gun, right? Right. Right? I mean, we know that was true. So he said that he'd basically been forced to participate in this sting and that he tried to back out but they wouldn't let him and they said that they would keep him anonymous but they didn't, you know. Kind of shitty. The defense also accused the police of losing the recordings of several phone calls between Muhammad and Dahlia. Mm. They were like, you know, the cops fucked up in several instances. They didn't follow protocol. And it was all because, again, they wanted to look good on cops. In closing arguments, Dahlia's attorney said, give Dahlia her freedom. Let her go back to her infant son. And everyone was like, da-da! Right. Because she'd been under house arrest this whole time no one really knew that she'd had a baby so okay she'd been living with her mom this whole time but apparently a repairman came to the house one day Straight to fix up something porn style yes and one thing led to another bada bing bada boom dahlia had a baby oh my gosh and they intentionally saved that uh-huh. nugget right. till the end what do you think the jury thought hi I mean, this was a better defense than the first trial. Not Definitely. That, not that the bar was very high. Right. I still think they found her guilty. Mm-mm. What? They deadlocked. It was a mistrial. No! <laughs> it was a mistrial. <laughs> what? Yes, it was a mistrial. Oh, my gosh. So, but this was not over. The prosecution was like, okay, third time's a charm. And in June of 2017, they tried her again. This time, the prosecution was like, hey, let's not fuck up. So they scrapped the strategy that hadn't worked in the second trial, and they went with the strategy that had been used in the first trial. Why didn't they use that again? I don't right, know. But right. anyway, I, I bet they just felt like Mike, because of his sketchy past, he was kind of a risk. Muhammad, you could get him on the stand. Maybe he might say anything. We don't know. So we just stick with the tapes. But you kind of have to hear from the victim. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so... They put Mike up back up on the stand. He did a lovely job, but the defense did a pretty good job too. At one point, they put super buff Sergeant Frank Ramsey on the stand, and Frank was the guy who delivered the bad news to Dahlia mm-hmm. that her husband was fake dead. And he gave, I think, some pretty damning testimony about how the investigation was handled. He said that the police department had made some serious mistakes. He thought that Muhammad hadn't been credible and that... And I hadn't thought of this. He was basically like, you know, it was pretty crazy that Mike DiPolito's life had been in danger for days. Police knew about it, but they didn't let Mike know until, like, the morning of his fake death. Yeah. Which, yeah, I mean, shouldn't they let you know immediately? Yeah. Unless they're, like... They want the cops. They want uh, the that's cops what I episode. Think. Yeah, unless they're like so obsessed with how oh they look on this gosh. stupid episode of Cops. Anyway, he said he also didn't want cops there to be filming the whole thing, and his supervisors were like, you know, too bad. This time, the jury went into deliberation for 90 whole minutes. Oh, my. And they found her guilty. Yeah, yeah. Dahlia was sentenced to 16 years behind bar. 
behind bars. bars. <laughs> Girl, I'll go to that bar too. What they, bars. what are they serving? <laughs> Dahlia's attorneys, of course, appealed, and they tried to take this case all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court was like, no, no man, honey, go home. No. Yeah. These days, according to 2020, Mike is doing well. He's engaged to someone new. She's super hot. I hope these people don't mind that I'm saying they're all hot. <laughs> Did you look them up on social media? No, they were on 2020 together. Oh, so. I mean, I still probably wouldn't I, look yeah, them up I should, on Yeah, I should Because you know, you know they, they, oh, they're, they're proud. Oh, they're on Instagram with some great filters, great photos, mm-hmm. great life. To my knowledge, she has not tried to kill him. So she seems like a, a winner. I hope they're happy together. And that, my friends, is the fairy tale love story of Dahlia and Mike Dippolito. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I loved it. Twists and oh. turns. Oh, I love a murder for hire story because it's like no one gets hurt. Yes, it's always yes. stupid. You know, it's always funny. Ugh, that's so true. That's so true. Three trials. I could not believe. No, it. I thought that was a one and done for mm-hmm. sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about to pee my pants right now. I'm about to pee too. Okay, let's take a pee break. And I've got to throw my hair up. I'm like, steamy. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Any words of sisterly wisdom or advice before I do this? No, you're, you're going to do fine. Okay. All right, you ready? Yes. Okay. When Brandy's away, the Pitt sisters will play. Yes. It's museum heist yes. time, baby. <laughs> Sorry, Brandy. <laughs> okay. So when Kristen asked me to be on the podcast mm-hmm. with her, I was very excited, and I was immediately like, great. Now I'm going to do one of the stories that I keep telling this girl she needs to do and she never does. I'm going to come on the podcast and do it myself. And my mom was excited because it's one that she has also. You and mom are both like, you should do this case. Why haven't you done this case? Why haven't you done this case? It's not naggy at all. Mm -hmm. It's very loving, very supportive, very supportive. Okay. 
So straight off the top, I want to give a shout out to this really um, niche, small podcast called This American Life. What? Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Okay, but for real, this is not a joke. Do you remember the one time that I... I cited this this American Life on the podcast, and Brandy uh-huh. was like, "I've never heard of it." <laughs> I I'm like, "What? Are you under a rock?" I wondered. I, I wonder about that one. I do wonder about that. Okay, so this is pretty much me retelling Excellent. this American Life episode six fifty four, the Feather Heist. Okay. okay, so I want to tell you about a guy named Kirk Johnson. He is a really amazing guy. He did some rebuilding projects in Iraq through USAID. And he's a very accomplished man. And he got laws changed because he was seeing that these Iraqis were working with the U.S. Army and then were being killed and tortured by fellow Iraqis. And oh. and then when they would apply for asylum in the United States, the U.S. would turn them down. Mm-hmm. And so he got all these laws changed. Right. I'm not going to tell you about any of that cool stuff. I'm going to tell you about something else about this man. So when he came back to the U.S., he went on this fishing expedition with a buddy. He's like not a fisherman, but his buddy goes fly fishing. So they go out fly fishing together. So when he opened his buddy's tackle box, he saw this super bright and colorful tie, like fly tie, one of the Uh lures. And he said it looks like it looked like a moth-sized peacock or like an impressionist's dream of an insect. It just really caught his eye. Okay. And he was like, what the heck? What is this? That this looks yeah. amazing. The stuff we're fishing with is like grays and browns. And he said, it's specifically for catching salmon. And that actually, you know, hey, in 2009, some kid that plays the flute over in London stole a million dollars worth of rare and exotic feathers from birds specifically for tying these kind of Wait, flies. stole the feathers from birds? <laughs> what? <laughs> he stole... He went up to them in their nests. That's and just mean. <laughs> like candy from... You know how they say like candy from a baby? Oh, it's like, like taken feather from feather a bird. From a bird. <laughs> the, Kristen, that was supposed to be a really really dramatic moment (laughs) okay no he stole them from britain's natural history museum oh he stole these birds (gasps) for the purposes of fly tying wow is this not a fishing podcast i thought this was a fishing (laughs) podcast so kirk johnson was immediately fascinated he's like what the hell some flute playing kid steals birds from a natural history museum so he studied up on some internet forums about fly tires these guys who make these lures and he even went in his research to the 21st annual special fly tying convention of new jersey (gasps) you've been there kristen you know So, Kirk, you know, he's doing this research about this story that he thinks is so fascinating about this guy who's pulled off, who did this heist. So he's trying to be real natural and cool among these convention guys. But he didn't pull off the heist, right? I mean, he obviously got caught. Eventually he got caught. Yeah, eventually. Wow, (laughs) Chris. I'm just saying he's not that cool. Well, he kind of figured, like, these guys were going to be a little bit pissed about this kid coming right. and 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 staining the good name of all the fly tires in their distinguished fly tying community. Sure. So he's asking this guy how he feels about it and and the guy looks at him really seriously and he's like, 
I don't think you want to write that story <laughs> because we're a small, tight-knit community and you do not want to piss us off. <laughs> Ooh, we got a badass on our hands. <laughs> Which obviously he's like, okay, I got to know more now. Yeah, like, I've got to yeah. know more about this. So Kirk went on to interview 50 fly tires and he spent three years may trying I, to get it. May a, I interrupt you? Yeah. This is reminding me. I don't know if I ever told you this. Uh-huh. When I lived in Elizabeth City, this was before I met Norman, like right before I met Norman, there was this guy who had a crush on me who I was not interested in. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I told him, like, nah. And then his friend came up to me one day when I was walking Peanut and was like, just so you know, this is a really small town and so-and-so is a pretty big deal around here. It was the That's weirdest. so uncomfortable. It was the weirdest thing. Was that, what was the intent of that? To make you feel bad for turning him down? Or I'm not sure what it was. I'm not sure if it was like people you were going to be pissed at you. Um... I'm not sure if it was like, you better go date my friend. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was really weird. You know what? That's like, it, It's like if your mom, if like somebody who's not cool at school wants to have a play date with you and you're like, I don't want to go have a play date with them. And then your mom's like, no, you have to. Yeah, <laughs> you have to. Situation that is. kid's really important in this town. Yeah, <laughs> you got to go do it. You got to. So, so Kirk goes on to interview these 50 fly tires and he spends three years trying to get an interview with Edwin, the guy who pulled off Whoa. this heist. So let me tell you a little bit about the birds that were stolen. Uh-huh. So they were collected in the mid-1800s by a guy named Alfred Russell Wallace, which is three first names. I know you guys mm-hmm. like the multiple Love first it. names. Jonathan he, Taylor Thomas. That's right. He's the JTT of birds. Okay. <laughs> okay. He's he's like the Darwin of birds, actually. Like, you spend all this time in remote islands and remote locations, wilderness, jungle. It sounds terrible, if you ask me, to study these birds. Okay. And at one point, he actually contracted malaria. He was incredibly sick. And so he's in his bed thinking he's about to die and he has this eureka moment in a fever dream where he figures out evolution through natural selection all on his own he like figures this out okay he gets up the next day he writes a letter to charles darwin no about it yes it had not been published like or anything he writes a letter to, to darwin and is like look this came to me last night it's crazy. And Darwin was like, you know what? I'd been thinking that same thing, but I was too afraid to say it. Uh-huh. And then Darwin went on and published it. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah. Hmm. So. All your great ideas? I was just thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. So these birds in the museum are really, really important. And I don't think I can honestly fully understand their importance. Well, you'd better. Right. You're going to talk about it on this <laughs> on podcast, this Missy. fact-based podcast. Mm-hmm. So, but apparently they're like early evidence of evolutionary theory. They inform scientists on climate change. And I, this is the part that I was really like, what? They are even used to scientifically measure the way we perceive color. I I don't know. I'm like, science, yo. Scientists are still using them, though, in their research. And what is kind of, I believe, journalists and writers and everything, they call it foreshadowing. Oh. (laughs) But Wallace, he even said, it's best if people from the West never see these birds because they'll just plunder them. 
Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. So then, you know, it's the 1800s and the fashion industry comes along. Oh, no. Uh-huh. And, you know, imagine the hats yep. of the 1800s. You know, you got feathers in them. And if you're super rich, you got a whole freaking bird mounted yeah. on there, yep. you know, and they're just gaudy as all get out. And so this really, of course, impacted the bird population. But then the other thing. So that was for the ladies. Right. Mm-hmm. But for the dudes, they had these exclusive fishing clubs where they all like got together and fish and they all had their own special lures, their own special okay. ties that they did every single one. And the way they made them, it was called a recipe. You had to follow the recipe mm-hmm. very specifically. So, and some of these feathers were more expensive than gold, literally Jeez. more expensive than gold. It's crazy. So the big thing is that nowadays in the fly tying community, they use these same recipes that the guys did in their exclusive fishing clubs. Uh-huh. And just as a side note, kind of as I was listening to this podcast episode, you just get such a sense of like what an old boys club it all is. I mean, it's like a rich white mm, dude. Love it. Mm. We don't have enough of those. I know. <laughs> right. So it's just like you could the smacks of the entitlement. Uh huh. So, you know, they say these fly tires are like, well, you can use the the fake feathers, but it's not the same. But basically, the historical authenticity is super important to these guys. And on the yeah. podcast episode, they even consider it like they call it like the Civil War reenactment. Oh, is God. Like, I know. Yeah, I know. Oh. So nowadays, the flies aren't used for fishing. It's just for display. And of course, like these birds are all endangered or extinct right now. And it's illegal to do anything with these birds. Mm-hmm. But our buddy Kirk said he had never in his life seen any group of people more willing to break international law for a hobby. Wow. Now, quick break. Like, did you have any idea about that people were out there breaking international laws for freaking fishing? Well, I'm part of the old boys club. I was going <laughs> to tell you. <laughs> this you is open, one of my many passions. Open the closet door, just all these feathers come out. <laughs> all, of, all of Kiki's uh, kitten toys yeah. are just... All of cat toys are very rare birds. Excellent. Some people say it's cruel. I just don't care. You yeah, know? Civil War reenactment. it's my hobby. That's right. So now I want to tell you a little bit about Edwin Rist, okay. who is the guy who, for some length of time, pulled this off. So Edwin is from Albany, New York, and he was homeschooled, mm-hmm. and his parents were journalists. And when he was about 10 years old, his parents like covered some story on fly fishing. And he got to, <laughs> you know what's just now occurring to me that I literally did not think of before? So he, his, his parents were researching this story, so he watched a video on the story. Okay. What does that make you think of from our childhood? Oh, my God. Sex ed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. So that was terrible. Our mom spent a year as yes. a school, as a school nurse. And then it was like as her own like summer education for us. Mm-hmm. I remember the the, the story was mm-hmm. watch these videos with me to help me decide which grade. Yeah. Which are the best sex ed videos. So. You guys, we had to spend... How many sex ed videos do we have to watch? I don't know. So many. I'm permanently messed up. <laughs> so messed up. But honestly, that hadn't occurred to me until I was reading this, and I was like, oh my God, this mm-hmm. is the same thing. So anyway, he like took to it immediately. He became super obsessed and like studied under this guy, Muzzy, you know, 
I'm sure you know Muzzy from yeah, the Fly course, Tide. My good yeah. friend Muzzy. <laughs> Your good friend Muzzy. So here's the deal. Here's the, I think, important thing to know about this time is that at 16, he was a legend, basically. Like, uh-huh. he got really, really good. But of course, like any 16-year-old, he's not flushed with cash. And so despite being really, really good at this craft, he was limited by his money. So he had to steal. Right, yeah. <laughs> I totally understand she, this You totally boy. get it. Mm-hmm. Well, so here's the other thing I'll say about this that as I was listening to this episode is it smacks a little bit of the affluenza, like just yeah. a little bit of like yeah. feel a little bit bad for this guy. So there's a little bit of, of that. But Does this end with dominoes? Domino. Oh, the other one. That's, is how, they, that's how they cut the affluence. Kristen, only only if we order Domino's does this end with Domino's. So I think you know what we need to do. So when Edwin was twenty, he was in London studying music. Okay. And um, that was also something like he was super devoted to in addition to fly tying. It's what he's still doing to this day. And yes, I did look him up on social media. Yes, yes, he's still doing that. So this fellow fly tire said like, hey, you're in London. While you're there, you've got to get up to the Museum of Natural History in Tring. You've got to see this special bird collection. But just so you know, you can only see it if you have legitimate research purposes. It's not like a regular exhibit that you just get to go see. So now what is unclear if he went initially to case the place Mm. or if he went initially just to see the birds. And then he was so inspired that oopsies, he cased the place. (laughs) Oopsies. Yeah. Yeah. So he says he didn't case the place. Uh But after he went like... He had taken a bunch of pictures while he was there. Hey, who are we to question this adorable white guy? Adorable white guy (laughs) flute playing. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So he called them and he said, hey, my friend is doing, you know, his his dissertation for his Ph.D. And he needs me to come and and take pictures of these birds. Right. And they didn't think anything of it. And so they agreed to have him come. So he goes. He signed his own name in the logbook when mm. he went. White guys. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he goes, he he basically, he either cases the place or he mm-hmm. doesn't case the place. Mm-hmm. You make your own decision. But when he goes back home, he starts a document on his computer called Plan for Museum Invasion. <laughs> no! <laughs> yes! I mean, why not just admit you case the place? I know, place? it's like, why? Why? <laughs> So it's June 23rd, 2009. He just played a concert at his university. He got on a train. This is what he has with him for his museum heist. Okay. A pair of latex gloves he took from his doctor's office. (laughs) Didn't even go buy one. No, 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 no. Save money. LED light, an empty suitcase, and a glass cutter. So he gets Hmm. there. He clips the barbed wire to get to the window where he's going to use the glass cutter, right? So he's like shimmied up there or whatever. And he reaches in his bag to get the glass cutter. Oh, shoot. Don't you know he dropped his glass cutter down (laughs) somewhere else? So at this point, what would you do? If that happened to you, what would you do? Well, I mean, either you break the glass, which seems like a mess, or you just like, "I'll, I'll do this another day. So what you do is you get a big fucking rock, right? Yep. And, you just, yep. and that's what he did. He just threw the huge rock. Of course, an alarm is yep. triggered. Yeah, Of course. You know, I'm sure he expected that. And it's a little bit fuzzy at this point because there was a security guard. Oh, gosh. And he's like, I went around and oh, I geez. saw 
these museum security guards, let me tell you, they never think anything is going to happen. All of a sudden it does. And they're like, that was probably a false alarm. Exactly. And so Edwin says that there was a big soccer match that night. And the security oh. guard later on was like, I don't even watch soccer. Uh, <laughs> I was like, whatever. Mm, it's not America. In America, you can say I don't even watch yeah. soccer. No. England? No, Mm-mm. you can't say that. So he was in there undetected for at least an hour. And his plan was that he was just going to take just he Kristen he was just gonna take the best one of each specimen Uh and but here's the problem his LED light was like beeby 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 little LED light like maybe one of those pocket little ones you got when you were a kid so he couldn't tell what the quality was so what did he have to do had to take them all so gotta catch them all even in one one species he took 47 out of 48 of them and when they asked him why he didn't take the 48 he said well it was wedged back in there I must just not have seen it what a douche. What a douche. So anyway, he rushes back to the train station. He's got a suitcase full of a million dollars of dead birds, if you can imagine such Jeez. a thing. He missed the last train to London. And so he has to stay on the platform overnight <laughs> with this million dollar bag. So museum security gets there the, in the morning and they call the cops uh-huh. Because they're like, oh, it could have been a break in. So the first, Wait, what do you mean museum security gets there in the morning? Well, um, I guess the shift changes, <laughs> yeah. and they're like, hey, dipshit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So they go and they look for all the famous things that could yeah. be missing. Yeah, and they're like, they're all here. They're all here. They even look for Darwin's finches. Yeah, but Darwin's finches aren't used for fly tying, so they left. He left those alone. It took thirty. 30- as we all know. As we all know. Yes. It took 35 days for them to realize <gasps> that, no. yes, that, that stuff was gone missing. They thought that someone just broke a window and didn't take anything? Yeah, I think they just thought it was like somebody hurled a rock in the uh. window and, you know, nobody took anything. Or went in there and walked around and then left. So if he'd used the glass cutters, they might have realized it sooner, you think? Because Maybe it would have looked more sophisticated. Yeah. Maybe. I could see that. I could see that. So at this point, it's been 35 days. So they go to look at the public access cameras to go to look at all the cameras. But the cameras reset every 28 days. Of course they so do. So there's yep. no look. There's I'm no so luck. annoyed. Yes, I know. So something interesting to know here. Back in World War One. Wait. Okay. Or, hold on. Yes. So... They they go and look and they don't see anything missing, but they don't just like take the however many minutes just roll through the footage. Like with that, maybe they them? didn't have. They must not have. I thought this is two thousand nine. Like you don't have video footage of inside the museum in two thousand nine. That's well, even bizarre. outside the museum, like you would have seen someone coming in and leaving with a suitcase. But you know and- what? I think it was that they did have. I think it was that they did have internal cameras, but still all the cameras must have reset after 28 days. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, the next day when the shift changed. Oh, that you should have done Yeah. That. Yes, yeah. you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. They should I should done. go be a museum, museum security Museum I would take my job so seriously. You would. You would. I would suspect everyone. No, all the little old ladies just trying yeah. to look at the art. Coming around with a tote bag. GTFO, mm-hmm. lady. So here's something that I thought was kind of interesting that I wanted to, to tell you. So back in, it was World War II. Back in World War II, bombs are coming down in London and the curators at that museum bundled up all the bird specimens in London while you know these bombs are falling. And that's why they're in the Tring and not in London. Oh. And 
later on when all of this was solved a curator would say the bird survived hitler but not edwin wrist oh i know i know i know so anyway there's no physical evidence at the scene but what's funny is if they had looked at their log their log yeah yeah they would have seen edwin wrist they could have googled him and saw that he was selling those feathers at edwinwrist.com or on on. ebay at flute player 1988 (laughs) (laughs) no no. yes so eventually uh, i think about a year later a fly tire from the netherlands reached out to the tring and said hey like i think hey dum-dum i think this is your guy and when police made entry into the home shout out brandy Brandy, we miss you (laughs) edwin confessed immediately and then i want to picture yourself in this situation he brought police into the bedroom where his girlfriend was still sleeping no can you imagine this dude's a douche i don't like him yeah and i like there's stuff that comes out about him later on that you know there's some stuff going on with him but yes so can you imagine that like you're sleeping and all of a sudden the police are in there So um, we're going to go into the court stuff, which is pretty brief for what I have. Um, Do you know the name of this podcast? (laughs) Let's go fishing. I believe it's Let's Go Fishing. So the case went right to sentencing because Edwin just... Yeah, he was like, I'm getting it. So he would get up to 10 years for burglary and 14 years for selling stolen goods. But Edwin's lawyers brought in a psychologist, and this is kind of the piece that I think is yeah. a little bit more interesting, That who diagnosed him with Asperger's, which okay. I don't know a lot about Asperger's, but I do know that, you know, incredibly intelligent and super focused on, like, certain interests and certain hobbies. Um, the judge called it a natural history disaster of epic proportions. Yeah. And, um, but... Ultimately, there had been a precedent in Asperger's cases in Britain. Like, um, shout out to to Britain because I they seem to be doing a lot more with looking at mental health diagnoses and mm-hmm. all of that than than what we're doing. Bad at catching museum yeah, breaker yes. inners. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Good with mental health. Exactly. So I couldn't figure out exactly what the precedent was. I did see that Theresa May didn't let the U.S. extradite somebody who had Asperger's who had hacked NASA. And so I thought, well, maybe that's it. I don't know. But anyway, there's a precedent. And so um, in the end, he got either, depends on where you look. There were multiple things. But like he got one year suspended and a financial penalty of the U.S. in U.S. dollars, $155,000, which was what they determined he probably had gotten so far off of eBay. (sighs) Um, Basically, he had no time behind bars and he had some probation. So there were 299 birds stolen. Okay, Uh a third of them came back unscathed. He hadn't done anything with them yet. Okay. A third of them were compromised in some way. They, so all of them had these, what were called biotags, which were super important. It had Alfred Russell Wallace's like handwritten notes. And it was what proved them to be like, I don't know, pure and scientific and whatever. Yeah, Yeah. And the other third just had not come back. So some were sold. 
but certainly not all of them were sold. Like, where were they? This is what our, yeah. our buddy Kirk, remember from the beginning yeah, of the story, yeah, yeah. this is what he was obsessed with. Oh, so all these all these people have these feathers. Yes. And they love them, and they don't want to give them up, so they don't want him getting into this story for that reason. My God. Yes. That's Ew. why that initial guy was like, Ew. we're a tight-knit community, and you don't want to piss us off because we got feathers that we really like. <laughs> Yes, no, exactly. So Kirk spent three years trying to get an interview with Edwin Rist, and Mm -hmm. finally Edwin agreed. He lived in Dusseldorf. He's a professional musician. He, you know, he he got this interview to be set up in his hotel room, and Kirk's wife was like, "Look, you don't know about this guy, okay? Like, he, yeah, he could be shady character." So they got some German. security guard while they were there and of course Edwin's just some like yeah, he's scrawny dude. he's a little flute player little who flute stole player some boy. feathers yeah exactly exactly so in the in the interview this is really interesting Edwin says he didn't really think that the museum kept accurate numbers and so they didn't really know what was missing or how much was missing so then your boy Kirk pulls out the receipts uh-huh. he said this is the documentation from the museum. This is how, like, he just showed him the yeah, documentation. Yeah, yeah. And Edwin agrees that it was really thorough. So I'm going to kind of do a little dialogue for you. So Kirk said, if this is accurate, where are they? Yeah. Edwin, if someone has them, I don't know about it. Kirk, aren't you the person most <laughs> uniquely positioned to answer that? Edwin, in what sense? Kirk, what? you're the one who took them. And Edwin gives some kind of long-winded response. Uh-huh. And then he mm-hmm. says, I don't have them fundamentally. What? Yeah. Hmm? What? So what Kirk did find out was that a number of customers returned the feathers. You know, right. once they kind of figured it out, the museum and the museum, you know, also poor museum, they're getting all these feathers. They had to literally calculate how many feathers equaled one bird. Mm-hmm. And after they did all that, 64 birds were missing. Now, mind you, it's still not the same. Like you get a bunch of random feathers when before there had been yeah. one bird or as they, yeah. they call it a skin. It had been one skin. <laughs> but Edwin's father even reimbursed some of those customers who returned the feathers to the museum. He like paid out of pocket thousands of dollars. As he should. I'm sorry. As he should. But that was Edwin's dad. That wasn't Edwin. Yeah. But, you know, Edwin got like no punishment. Yeah. So, you know. Somebody's got to give something Yeah. And if it has to be his family, it has to be his family. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so because I'm sure that looked good in court that his his dad was so willing to fork over money for for his son's yeah. mistakes. It's so interesting. It makes you wonder, like, okay, if that had been tried in the states, oh, what would have happened? And also, of course, it's like we'll put a boot up your ass for the <laughs> red, white, and blue. <laughs> well, the other thing is like this fly fishing and fly tying is such a white old boys club thing and it's like my gosh a person of color forget about it forget about it so what about these remaining 64 birds like where the hell were they well they weren't with edwin fundamentally fundamentally they're not we do know that so kirk discovered another user on these sites because he's like studying these fly tying forums all of that another user named goku had posted birds that were obviously from edwin's stash who was goku was this another username that edwin had come up with and was Mm -hmm. secretly using after his trial was concluded Mm -hmm. was this an accomplice Mm -hmm. kirk was like obsessed 
So Kirk met with an ornithologist at Yale. He's a head curator at the Peabody Museum, who was also like equally enraged about the heist and yeah. had more of the ornithology background on this. So together, they look at Edwin's website. They figure it all out. And they yeah. narrow in on this guy named Long Wen, who's exactly Edwin's age. He lives in Norway. And there are even pictures of Long Wen and Edwin Rist on Facebook together in uh-huh. Japan. Uh-huh. And after they were in Japan together, Goku is posting these feathers for sale. Okay. So Kirk reaches out to Long, and Long agreed to an interview. So now Kirk wow. had to go to this guy's house who had graciously agreed to an interview and try to get him to admit that he'd like done something illegal. It was really... You know, how do I navigate this situation? So he gets there, you know, he's certainly not. I think Kirk was wondering if he was going to find some like really suave, manipulative guy that was maybe the brains behind what Edwin was doing or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But it was clearly not. It was like some guy in his 20s in Chuck Taylors. He had come. He was Vietnamese. His family's Vietnamese and came to Norway as refugees in the 70s. And as a kid... Long had really looked up to Edwin because he got these fly tying magazines and he's like, wow, look at this kid. Yeah. And Long didn't have a lot of friends growing up, but he liked to fly tie. And so it's like he kind of had this imagined kinship. Oh, God. I know this imagined Uh, kinship with this guy. So after nearly a day of interviewing Long admitted that Edwin reached out to him to sell these things Mm-hmm. And Edwin said that he just kind of found these things. He made up these stories about how yeah. they had come into his possession. Yeah. And Long never stopped to think about how implausible it all was. I don't know okay. whether to believe yeah. that okay. or not. Yep. But he felt really flattered that Edwin was paying attention to him, basically. Yeah. So, But during this interview, Kirk did grow kind of suspicious of Long because Kirk's asking some pretty basic questions like, well, so who got the money? Did the money come to you? Did the money come yeah. to Edwin? And Long's like, I don't remember. Oh, come on. And it's like, mm. this is thousands of dollars. You don't yeah. remember if the thousands of dollars came to you versus to Edwin. So when he asked if Long still had any of the skins, he said, you know, I don't know. A tiny of the part of them were sold through me, others through Edwin. And he says he didn't know where any of them were. So... Kirk left Long's house that day, kind of feeling bad for Long, but also feeling really frustrated. He felt like Long was holding something back. So he gets up the next morning, and he's in the hotel lobby getting ready to have breakfast. And who is there but Long in the hotel lobby? And Long said, look, I've been thinking about it, and I've got to stop tying flies with exotic birds. Uh And I'm scared to do that because I'm not going to have any friends after I choose to do that. So they spend the next two days just kind of hanging out, getting to know each other and talking. And they even met one morning in front of the National Gallery, which is where the scream. I know. I remember the episode. So anyway, they'd hung out for a couple of days and Kirk got bolder and bolder. And he pushed along more. And he just straight up asked. And so one of these rare birds is the Indian crow. Yeah. And so he just goes, look, you have a lot of the Indian crow. And finally Long just said, I still have some of the packages that I was supposed to sell. Oh. After Edwin was arrested, Long sent back the skins. Uh-huh. So sent back the full birds, but he kept the feathers. 
And as long as saying this, he's like miserable as he's saying this. He says, yeah. I've got probably between 600. There were probably between 600, 800 feathers. But now I probably only have 100 left. And Kirk just said, I mean, Kirk's a baller. He just said, you have to show me these things. Yeah. And Long started crying and said, I've never admitted this to anyone, not even my family. They, they ended up going oh. back to his house and getting this binder. It kind of looked like a stamp collection book, I yeah, guess. Yeah. And they go to a bar. And yeah. here is Kirk after literally years of research and yeah. trying to find literally these exact feathers from these exact birds. And now they're sitting in front of him. Just in a bar in Norway. In, in a bar in Norway, exactly. So they were able to track down some additional sales with Long's cooperation of like, this is where they went. So, you know, a couple of the birds, there was a buyer in South Africa. He's not interested in returning them to the museum. He Mm -hmm. cannot be bothered. Others were sold to a guy in Montreal who said he's since sold them off. He doesn't have them Mm -hmm. anymore. Sure. So that leaves 32 unaccounted for birds. And of the 191 that have come back to the museum, 101 still have their tags. So that's a positive thing. They still have their bio tags. So kind of to conclude, in Kirk's view, everyone should return these feathers, these birds. He said it would be a moral victory. These birds are not for the fly tying community. They are for the museum. And there are two choices, either keeping them or giving them back. And they should give them back. And so with the Tring's blessing, Kirk went on that fly tying forum and said, hey, look, the Tring is ready to accept any anonymous returns without pressing charges or asking questions. And 40 members of the fly tying forum asked the moderator to delete the post. (gasps) And that is the case of the feather heist. Those douches. No. And so, yeah, to to end with Alfred Russell Wallace's (laughs) quote, all living things were not made for man. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Oh, that was good. It's a good one. So Edwin, he wanted to buy, believe it or not, a golden flute. That was what he wanted to be able to do these flight time. He wanted to buy a golden flute, just like we all do. Yeah. We wanted the Barbie Jeep when we were growing up and yep. the golden flute. And Edwin wants the golden flute. Absolutely. Who can blame him? Oh, my gosh. I play mine all the time. Do-do-do. <laughs> Put on some jazz flute in the background of this. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. 
LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Kyla. The time has come for one and all to answer questions from, from the, the Discord. Discord. Do you want me to pull it up on my phone too so I can see them? Oh, it doesn't just... matter. Oh, and Margaret, how dare you? She asks Kyla PZ, what's it like being the better sister? Oh, my- no! <laughs> and Margaret, shots fired by <laughs> Anne Margaret. You know, Kristen is really, I mean, Kristen's the better sister. I Absolutely. Was earlier, I was thinking earlier today about Mrs. Dupree in sixth grade oh, and I what she wrote her. on your report card. What'd she write? She wrote something like she, it was so funny that in sixth grade she had such an insight into people, into yeah. kids. Yeah. And she was basically, you know, for the listeners, like Kristen, you were a quiet kid. Oh, super quiet. Super quiet, super shy. And I don't think people would necessarily mm-hmm. think that about you now. And so. Because but, I sit at home alone with like one other person and talking <laughs> to a microphone. Talking to a microphone. <laughs> but Mrs. Dupree was basically like, Kristen is really special and like she is going to become something really amazing. Like she saw this trajectory that you were on. And so that's why Kristen's the better sister. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking about that. You're going to make me cry. I loved Mrs. Dupree. Yeah. She was wonderful. No, she, okay, now, now that you say that, I remember she said, Some girls peak in middle school, some girls peak in high school. She's going to peak much later. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, mm-hmm. I miss her. I know. She's I don't a, think she's around anymore. No, I think she. I think she had cancer. But just to make you guys laugh, she wore these big fake earrings. <laughs> she did she <laughs> these big clip-ons. clip-ons, and then her phone would ring, and she'd take off one of her uh-huh. clip-ons to talk on the phone because that's how big and gaudy they were that she couldn't. Yeah, he couldn't talk on the hold phone. the phone to him. And then she'd forget she had her clip on off, and then she'd just like walk around with one earring in. But she was a hoot. She was the best. Yeah, Brandy had her. I had so Brandy was in that class with me. What did she write in your report card? See, that's the thing is that I wish I would have nothing memorable. I, nothing. Kyla memorable. peaked in elementary school. Kyla peaked years ago. <laughs> no. There's no potential left. Take her out to pasture. No. Kyla is great. I mean, you don't need to do a back and forth. <laughs> just go to the next question. Let's see. Oh, old-timey disclaimer wants to know, which one of you got into the most trouble growing up? I mean, probably me. I was more sneaky. Kristen was just more sneaky about it. Yeah. I mean, we just had different... Different styles. Different styles. <laughs> we had different styles, different people. Like... I was, I would sneak out sometimes. I would sneak out, and Kristen did not do I that. I didn't have the nuts to she, sneak no out. No nuts. But what Kristen did is, I remember on a previous episode, you were like, I was sneaking food. So, okay, Kristen's sneaking food <laughs> in elementary school, and, like, I snuck out in high school. Yeah, but, like, I hid my report cards. Yes, Kristen yeah, did which some that's, shady Yeah, that'll report. bite you in the ass yeah. when it's time to apply to college. Just, you know, <laughs> like a PSA. Tip, tip. But look at her now. Take a look at me now. No. <laughs> oh... Maya Superfly wants to know, OMG, hilarious, I cannot wait. Most embarrassing story you have of each other or a parent? Oh, God. Oh, man. Well, we have so many ones of parents. Dad, I, yeah. I knew that somebody was going to ask for an embarrassing story on you from childhood. Oh, God. Kristen, I could not 
I, and I have been racking my brain for days. Oh, I've, I've, I'm so embarrassing. But like, I, yeah, well, I can't think of anything because I'm really great. Yeah, but I mean, I could not think of any super embarrassing. Let's think of embarrassing ones on dad. Oh, uh, well, okay. I always think about it, and I wasn't even there. You were out to eat in Boston. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. So this was, I don't know, maybe sophomore year of college. Mom and dad came up to visit me, and like they'd just gotten in. I took them to this Thai restaurant. It was like a little Thai restaurant, but it was, you know, there were people in there, you know. And Dad was wearing a sweatshirt with a T-shirt underneath, mm-hmm. and which is like his outfit of choice, you know, because he needed to impress because he was out in the big city. Oh, yeah. So I guess he got a little hot in the restaurant. So he starts to take off his sweatshirt so no. he's on one side. So mom and I are on like the booth side. He's on just the chair side. Kyla can't even look. I can't even look. I'm like <laughs> covering so my face. He's trying to shimmy out of his sweatshirt because he's getting so hot. Well, he didn't realize that his t-shirt was stuck. So he was showing his hairy nipples <laughs> to everyone in this Thai restaurant. Full nips. And mom, mom was so embarrassed, but she made it worse because she's like trying to dive over the table and she's going, Daryl. But the thing I remember about that story was afterward, I was so embarrassed and I called you Uh and I was like, Kyla, I went to a Thai restaurant with mom and dad. We got in. Dad was wearing a sweatshirt with a t-shirt underneath. And that's all I said. And you you were like, like, I know what happened. (laughs) And showed his nipples to him. Oh, my God. (laughs) Uh, Oh, Hunter wants to know, if you had been boys, what were your names going to be? Do you know what yours? I feel like you were going to be Daniel, and then you weren't a boy, so then I was going to be Daniel. Right. And then I wasn't a boy. (laughs) (laughs) Except for when we were growing up, and we would, like, at Christmas time, we were little, we would do mm-hmm. the nativity stuff. Kristen would say, I be Mary, you be Joseph. So I always, I always had to be the boy growing up. It was so fun to be a little older because I, 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 I could make you do all the things yes. I didn't want to do. I was very happy-go-lucky. I was just like, cool, like, let's do but it. But the problem was you were smarter than me. So, like, at a certain point, like, I remember your intelligence, like, surpassed mine. <laughs> That's when I peaked, guys. Yeah, That's when I peaked. <laughs> No, that's that's a true story. It sounds like I'm being modest. No, but like really, like you got smarter. I remember it was like when you were like I feel like five or six. Uh-huh. I was like, oh shit, I can't. Now push her you got to be Joseph fifty percent of yeah. the time. Yep, keep it equal. C one Iggy wants to know we need the birth date. Oh, for London. Okay, oh, it was Thursday. No, it was six nineteen, folks. Oh. Now that's another date for Brandy to remember. Yeah, and stuff happens on the podcast. Yeah, so we uh, had we had everyone on Patreon do a little poll and yeah. vote, but yeah, six nineteen. It's a whole story. We yeah, won't we we'll won't let tell, Brandy yeah. tell it herself. But basically, she is amazing. And last yeah. night, so last night we were in the trivia finals. I know you guys have heard Brandy and Kristen talk about. <laughs> it's like the only entertainment that we've had this whole time. Yeah. So we're in the trivia finals and. Brandy, like, 
days after giving birth, we had texted her and David and said, you do not need to participate in this. We're just sending you the invitation. Yeah. And they were there and Brandy had little London and she's just such a sweet little nugget. London is beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Should I tell them what I thought? Yes. (laughs) So, so like, I, I think, you know, London had been born for like a couple days. And so... I made, you know, chili and cornbread and a fruit tart and all this stuff to take over to them. And we walked into the house and I walked in first and I didn't see the baby. I just assumed the baby was in the nursery. So I just was like, hey, guys. And then I went and carried the fruit tart into the kitchen and I saw Norm like kind of hung back and he goes, is that the baby? (laughs) And I came back in and Brandy's, you know, sitting there smiling and right next to her is, I swear, a baby doll. Like, it was so <laughs> tiny, and she was asleep. She looked like a perfect little doll. And I I really did not think it was a baby. I said last night, I was like, yeah, so it's just one of Brandy's creepy porcelain doll collections. <laughs> like, what did you think was happening? Well, that's what Brandy was like. Brandy was like, for real, what would you do if I went to the hospital, came back days later, and I had a baby doll? Oh, my God. <laughs> it would be like, we got to check you in somewhere. Mm-hmm. I don't know where, but we're going to get you the help you need. <laughs> Gadriel wants to know, Kyla, how many times did you listen to the podcast and think, Psh, I could do that? And were you right? <laughs> I think the listeners will be the judge of that. You did great. I think my thought was like, I'm not going to be Brandy, but if I can come on one episode and people will be like, I could do that for one episode. Like, I'm good. (laughs) I think if I can be that kind of filler, that's good for me. You know, I love listening to the podcast. I listen to it every Wednesday. Oh, yeah. I listen to it. So I'm talking back to the podcast constantly. You know, when you guys are talking about memories or you're trying to remember something, I'm screaming at my phone (laughs) what it is. And then I text you later and I'm like, hello. So, no, I think I love listening to the podcast because... Like, I love your humor, and so... Because it's the best podcast ever, better than This American Life. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, that small little podcast. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so when Kristen asked me, I was like, oh my God, yes, I'll do it, I'll do it. It has been fun. Should we tell them what mom said? Yes. So I talked to my parents today, and my mom was like... Well, are you worried that, you know, without Brandy there, people will be like, oh, I'm not even going to listen to this. <laughs> and didn't you say, like, they're, they're like, oh, Brandy's maybe not coming back for a while. Like, I'm just done with the podcast. Yeah. So it's like, so she's insulting Kristen and me. It's like uh-huh. an insult to both uh-huh. children. And goodbye podcast <laughs> forever. Downward trajectory. That's right. This is your peak. Like Mrs. Dupree said, yep. it's right this now. This is my and peak. Now, whoop, downhill. Dawn of 952 wants to know, what does Kyla think of Kristen's true crime obsession? I mean, samesies. Yeah, you're, like, you're in the exact same boat. Samesies, twinsies. We were in the same mm-hmm. house watching Cops and America's Most Wanted on uh-huh. Friday nights. And, and Dateline date in 2020. So, I mean, it's the same. Like, when we went My Favorite Murder together when yeah. we were live, when you thought to yourself, like, I could do this, Brady, and I could do this. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's basically just like, Same. Now, I think you watch more of the American greed type stuff than I do. But, yeah, I'm somewhere between you and Brandy. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Lady in Blonde wants to know, tell us a story about the kind of mischief you two used to get into when you were kids. Did DP have to scold you often? Oh my god. Oh my gosh. Being scolded by DP is the worst. The absolute <laughs> worst. He just talk and talk and talk. So mischief we would get into, like mom has, I always tell people she has the cleanest house. Mm-hmm. You could literally eat off of her floor. I would. Yeah. yeah. It is so clean. And she would hear that and be like, oh my. Oh, oh my. my. No. But no, you totally could. But, you know, to keep a house looking a certain way mm-hmm. takes a lot of cleaning. And so mm-hmm. one time when we were in high school, we, and I think DP may have said this story on the podcast, like we I don't know. hid behind a kitchen <laughs> island when we heard somebody coming and we were like, shit, it's mom, hide. And then and we were okay. This sounds like a cute little story from when we were little kids. No, we were not teenagers. We, the thing was like it seemed like Saturday mornings. Mom oh, would yeah. go on a tear. Yeah, and the weird thing was like she wouldn't go seek you out and be like you need to start cleaning. But it was like if you happened to catch her eye, yeah, if oopsies, you passed her in the hallway, and so like. For a while there, you and I, like, if one of us got roped into cleaning, we would go and do the other one a solid and be like, don't go down for breakfast, just starve. (laughs) Just starve. Stay where you are. But, yeah, I think, if memory serves, we we had been hiding from mom, but we were hungry. And so so we went down to the kitchen because we thought mom was in the basement, but really she was, like, in the garage or something. And so... All of a sudden, we hear footsteps. Boom. We fall to the ground behind the kitchen island. And I remember we were just, like, looking hunkered at the ground. down. Yeah, hunkered down. Didn't even occur to me that we'd been spotted. And, you know, we hear the footsteps coming closer and closer. And finally, it's Dad. And Dad goes, girls, what are you doing? <laughs> and we had to tell him that we were hiding from Mom. And he probably was like, same. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But I... What other kind of mischief did we get into? There wasn't a lot of like, I mean, because people have asked that about you and Brandy uh-huh. on the podcast, and it's kind of like, there. Yeah, there's no great story there. Mm-mm. The thing about did DP have to scold you often? Oh my gosh. The thing I think is so funny is people sometimes of a certain generation are like, oh, spanking is the only way to yeah. teach your kids anything. I promise you, I would have rather than be hit. Lecture <laughs> <laughs> from dad. Or the, now, and, and I can feel the Pitt's genes in my blood now mm-hmm. as a parent because his big thing was, like, what do you think your punishment oh my should God. be? And Kyla, like, you I don't feel, do that, oh do you? Oh, my God. You know what? So my daughter, Alexandra, got in trouble a little bit today. She told me, <laughs> she told me later, because honestly, it's one of those things where sometimes as a parent, you don't know what the punishment should be, which was totally dad's move. And he has yeah. since said that. But I just told her, I was like, look, daddy and I need to talk about this. Like, we need to figure out what it's going to be. And so she told me later, she was like, well, just so you know, I, I, I punished myself and I wrote a hundred times I will take ownership for my actions <laughs> it's like she's trying to I wanted I want her to pull out those receipts like okay show me that you did she's that. trying to get herself off probation she, she played she made restitution to the victims yep, yep she did the ready. whole thing uh-huh but yeah dad's big thing was we would have to discuss in depth what we had done he would lecture at length about how that was wrong. Mm-hmm. And then it would end with, 
what do you think your punishment should be? Which I've told Norm this story before, and he's like, oh, easy peasy. You just say you shouldn't be punished. No, because if you undersell, then the lecture goes, you know, goes you're from the beginning. Either way, so you're better to be like, I should be shot. <laughs> you know, that's what we should have said. Like, give me shot. now. <laughs> Sarah Kaya comes and wants to know, Kyla, what was the family convo about Norm the first time the Pitts family met him? <laughs> so, I mean, Mom and Dad met him a long time before I did. Yeah, because yeah. and and for a long time, it's funny, like Norm and Kristen forget this because at a certain point somebody just feels like such a fixture of your family that it's kind of hard to remember at what point they came in you just kind of assume like all these milestones happen together right but i didn't meet norm until the weekend jay Mm -hmm. and i got married Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i think you guys have told this story i don't think we have okay so i basically long story short that whole weekend like i just thought norm was super super quiet yeah and kind of like Brandy. Which is how he comes across to anyone he's meeting for the first time. Yeah. And I think he just was like, this is my girlfriend's sister's wedding. Yeah. I'm just trying to be helpful and quiet and not rock the boat and just yeah. be present. So I think he was just trying to, you know, be that guy. And so we came back from Arkansas. Jay was doing Teach for America and we drove all the way from Arkansas like seven hours and it had been snowing and Kristen and Norm had been sledding outside (laughs) and Jay, you know, he's in Teach for America so he's like 22 years old and he's teaching high school so he wore like a suit and tie every day and and at the risk of making this weird, Jay is very good looking. I think it's, so it should be said, oh, Jay is a good looking guy. He shows up Dressed very nicely. Yes. And for whatever reason, so, you know, Norm had never been sledding before. He was from North Carolina, so he had to borrow dad's clothes. <laughs> clothes to go. So you're in your dad's, your, your girlfriend's dad's clothes. And I mean, obviously, dad doesn't have any fashionable clothes. No. So these are like the rejects of the rejects. <laughs> So he had on dad's old snow pants. Old snow pants, probably from 82. And then he had on, do you want to describe it? So uh, we attended Shawnee Mission Northwest High School, home of the Cougars. Cougars. And so he had on this long sleeve shirt that just said Cougars across it with like a little fake claw mark. Yeah, so the font was really edgy. It it was orange. It was written in orange. And then it had, it was meant to look like the shirt was torn. Yeah. A cougar had come and torn it. That's right. Yeah. So I remember thinking, why hasn't Norm changed out of that outfit? Because, you know, we went sledding. Then I got changed out of that. But Norm was like in the outfit. (laughs) He was committed. (laughs) Committed to the snow pants. He didn't want to insult DP by changing out of his fashionable clothes. But so then I just remember hearing, I guess, that after, you know, so so we arrive, Jay's in his, you know, suit and tie, and so's Matt, who's one of our groomsmen who's coming from Arkansas with us, and I guess later on in... <laughs> and Norman's in his cougar shirt. Yeah, Norm's later, like, they're coming, looking so good, and I'm in this stupid cougar shirt. <laughs> it's like, yeah, so I remember we were in the guest room, because, you know, everybody's off in these guest rooms, so... We were in bed, and he was like, I feel like such an idiot. Does that guy always dress like that? <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know. Like, he's coming home from work. I don't know. He goes, 
I'm sitting here. He's in a suit and tie. I'm in this stupid cougar shirt. And I was like, well, why were you still wearing that cougar shirt? And he goes, it's really comfortable. That's right, because it's, like, been worn for 20 well, yeah, years. Yeah. It's, like, super comfy. I'm soaked in the DP juices. Oh, God, why did you say that? <laughs> <laughs> but that being said, like, Norman is the funniest. Oh, my God. Just the funniest guy. It's, like, super, super quiet that first weekend, and then it's just been nothing but hilarity. Hilarious ever. one-liners ever okay, since. Okay, so one time we went out to... Basically, we had... Okay, Jay and I had this extra washer and dryer because like, a washer oh and dryer God. had been left at the house and we'd already bought one that we brought with us. So we had this extra washer and dryer. Kristen and Norm needed one. Right. And so they were like, let us pay you for a washer and dryer. We're like, no, just take it. But like, take us out to a nice meal or something. You know, mm-hmm. whatever. <laughs> so we're at Grand Street for Kansas City folks. So we're at mm-hmm. this nice restaurant. And um, <laughs> so the lady comes to do the check right. and Norm says <laughs> so, so Norman so she came up and she was like she asked something like do you want is it all in one check and Norman said I'll take it I'm a philanthropist and then he gestures to you and Jay he goes and I've never seen a worthier cause and the waitress was so uncomfortable as you would be yeah, yes, first absolutely. of all I don't know that she knew what philanthropist meant because yeah, like she, based she on looked, her face yeah she looked very confused and yeah that's that's a day in the life with Norman oh Caruso oh my god that was so funny <laughs> What does make me honestly sad about his YouTube stuff is like people don't know how funny he no. is. He's like he is the funniest he's person I've ever met. The funniest guy. Yeah. He's, yeah. And you're so funny too. It's like the two of oh, you together. Just yeah. a hoot. Just a hoot. Just, just, a just laughs hoot. and laughs yeah. here. Take today, for example. Oh. With the outlet covers and what oh, yeah. No, I'm just thinking you came over and we were both in such terrible moods because someone had sideswiped oh, the Prius, yes. didn't leave a note. Well, and yeah. Norman wanted to just put an outlet cover on an outlet, but like yeah. things went comically wrong and he was like, I want to burn this house to the ground. Yeah, he was like, I'm <laughs> done with house. old houses. Hey, philanthropists have bad days too. That's okay. true. Yeah. It's true. Nicole B. wants to know, what's the dumbest fight y'all have gotten into? Oh, God. I mean, I always got mad at Kristen when we were in, like, middle school and high school because she always had bigger boobs than I did. Uh And she would come and take my clothes, and then she'd stretch out the chest. This was totally in your imagination. No! Yes. I also think I'm just very, like, weird about... You're weird about clothes. I'm weird about clothes. I'm also just, like, I was... I think I'm better about it now, Mm -hmm. hopefully. Like, I was bad at sharing. Yes! Well, oh! It wasn't that my boobs were, like, Dolly Parton. (laughs) Like, about to hit you in the face. My parents let Kristen get a boob job in middle school. (laughs) It was just a really weird choice. No, I think I was, and I didn't realize it until I was in college and Jay and I moved in together and mm-hmm. it just became clear And how- he wanted to wear your clothes and you said <laughs> I was like, no. look at your huge boobs. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, that was, so that was for sure, that's stupid. Um, Kyla. Yeah. Thanksgiving. Oh. Which Thanksgiving, like how old were we? This was last Thanksgiving. You and Norman had the same color coat. Oh! <laughs> 
And then he, oh, and Kristen had this smirk on her face because oh, she knew so I was going to be, this was a test of any kind of growth that I have made as a human being. And clearly I've not made much. We both have like an olive green colored coat. And <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. He walked back in from the whatever room has been the coat room. And he's got my coat on. And I was like, and it's skin tight. It looked hilarious. Honestly, <laughs> it didn't even occur to me that you wouldn't find it funny. It was so <laughs> funny to me. But then the look on your face. It was it was a look of I'm supposed to find this funny. Surely I've grown more than this. Oh, God, no, I haven't. <laughs> Oh, little Allie. So Allie, oh my God. Allie saw how you were reacting and, you know, everybody else is laughing yes. because it was funny. It I can, was. We'll post a picture of Norman wearing this coat. <laughs> it was really funny. And so Allie was like, went over and started, you know, smacking it. Yeah. She's like, take off my mommy's she, coat. Oh, <laughs> anytime she feels like somebody's being ganged up on, yeah. she is at that person's defense. It's just like, then I had to tell her like, no, Allie, it's fine. Like, I'm just. But you were like, no, Allie, yeah, get, my get, coat. Get, get my coat. Go get my coat. He's so a bad good. man. Yes. Ooh, Nicole B. wants to know, have Brandy and Kyla always gotten along? Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> back yeah. in the day, it was it was all of us. It was all of our, there was, let's see, you, me, Brandy, Christine, Laura, you know, and Jessica. So yeah, there was yeah. Like, there were like seven or eight of us, and it was yeah. sleepovers every weekend. Prank yeah, so calls. you and I, like, I was always one grade level ahead. Yeah. Which, it would have sucked if our friends didn't get along. But luckily, yes, yeah. I, you know, it's like it never really even occurred to us. But, like, you know, we would all have slumber parties. So my friends were your friends. Your fr- yeah. friends were my friends. So, yeah, I mean, you and Brandy have been long-term friends as well. Yes, we've also been, which some people would think it would be weird that you're long-term friends with her and I'm long-term friends with her, but it's a judgment for <laughs> These zone. things happen. Yeah, exactly. You gave her stool softener. I did. <laughs> Have you guys, yeah, you did talk about it, right? I don't know that we talked you about You talked about how I gave her well, nipple ointment. You, okay. I gave her just weird stuff. Well, go ahead and tell them. Well, basically, so, you know, I had Henry in 2019 and so I just had all this stuff and it's like my second baby and mm-hmm. we had you know this seven year age gap between Alexandra which is what everyone aims for everyone aims for it. Jay and I perfected it uh-huh. <laughs> we're writing a book right now but I had all this stuff that it's like okay I've got a bottle of stool softener and I've taken a couple of those like and and literally I remember I had a bottle with Alexandra and I had it for years and it expired yeah. you know because it's like how often, how often do you really need I mean, stool I mean personally I don't need it that often if you do I'm not judging (laughs) we've all got our strengths and so I did I gave her it's like I had an unopened thing of nipple ointment and uh it was probably no you know what it was unopened because you bought it for me I think and I'd already bought one for myself like so anyway anyway classic nip slip yeah but But so I've given Brandy some weird stuff and bless her heart, she's been gracious about it all. Well, I think that says something that like you're close enough that you can give her an opened bottle of stool (laughs) Okay. I mean, do do we need to say more? We've talked about Tylenol murders, eccentric murders, Uh and you know, stool softener (laughs) murders. No, but yeah, it's just like I know her well enough that it's like, you're going to need this and yeah. you're going to thank me. And folks, today was that day. We did get the thank you text. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 
as if you're holding back real big detail. That's right. <laughs> should we do one more? Sure. Oh, you know what I was thinking we should tell the people? What? What? <laughs> what? Well, there were two stories as I because I've been thinking about this for a few days. It's like what? What do the people want to know? Mm-hmm. And I think there's, give the people what they give want. the people what they want. And it was just like, well, you know, they might be curious about like what's our sister friendship like. And mm-hmm. I always think about when you worked at that summer. Yeah. with the you know you know it was like it was a, a summer boys camp. Summer yeah. camp and. They asked a question of, like, if you had to pick one person in the world that you had to trust to pick your nose. Oh, yeah. Who is it going to be? And you said Kyla. And I was like, (laughs) that's trust. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, I'm not going to I'm going to trim my nails first. I'm going to make sure they're clean. You know, I was like, you know, that says something. But then I was wondering if I should tell the pickle story. Oh, you know what? I wondered if you would, and I almost asked you, because someone has asked, what are your embarrassing stories? What are yeah. Your, yeah. I mean, the pickle story. <laughs> Kyla, it doesn't get much better. Do you want to tell that story? I will tell the pickle story. <laughs> I will. Now, what's unfortunate for me is, like, I'm still a professional in I was my gonna, career. Yeah, that's why I wasn't going <laughs> to push it, because... <laughs> So, if you're going to know me professionally, just go ahead and hit pause right mm-hmm. now. Okay, so this was in high school, and I had, it was number two time at the Vince household, and it was impressive. It was impressive, okay? And when you have a major life accomplishment, oh you want to share it with others. This you. is disgusting. She wanted me to go look. I was like, at her number two. Look at this. Look at what I have done. And she wouldn't do it. And so Obviously I'm, not. I told her, no way. <laughs> she was so disgusted. I'm like, wow, I acted like you're all fancy or something. So then I. No, do you remember what you said to me first? I said, if you don't come in here and look at this, I'm going to bring it out to you. No. Oh, <laughs> no. At first, you said, fine. I'm just not going to flush it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to see it. And I was like, we've got more than one bathroom. bathroom. I could play this game all day. This is fancy, fancy place. So anyway, so she does have to go to the bathroom. So she's <laughs> gone somewhere else. And I'm thinking, okay, she's going pee. I've got like one minute max to reconstruct a turd somehow. <laughs> so I run to the kitchen and I get a paper plate. <laughs> And I'm like, I I get a pickle because I'm like, I need something with some form. And then we had this cup of coffee yogurt that I swear had been in the door of the fridge for like six months. And I just pour the coffee yogurt on top of the pickle. Didn't look great, y'all. It didn't look great. And I ran, I ran my little (laughs) tuchus to the other bathroom. And I, I don't even remember what exactly what I said or did. I, I just, remember this so well. Okay. So it, the key to know is that I had gone into our parents' bathroom. And mom and dad had, like, a pretty nice bathroom that, like... It was huge. One, it was huge. And one wall was all mirrors. <laughs> and so on the other side is the toilet. And so I was on the far side. 
And you come in and I'm watching you in the mirror. And we've just had this conversation where you've tried to go get me to go look at your poop. And I was like, absolutely not. And you're coming into the bathroom with a paper plate on your hands. And this thing that looks a hell of a lot like a turd sliding around and you were laughing so hard and I started screaming because (laughs) I did not know what your plan was. I didn't want anything to do with it. (laughs) Now in my mind, tell me if this is true, I just ran up to you, put my fingers in the coffee yogurt and wiped it on your face. So, okay, what I think my, okay, my memory is like at a certain point, you got close enough that I got to look at the thing. And you guys, it really did not look no, like... No, it looked like a pickle covered in yogurt. <laughs> and so I started laughing. I was like, what is that? And you wouldn't say. And so that's when you put your fingers yeah. in and put it on my face. Which, okay, all of that kind of reminds me. The time that I, you were super mad at me and then super not mad at me was I must have a fixation with bodily functions was when mom made the the name of this dish sounds disgusting it's frog eye salad yeah it does sound disgusting and it's it's these like little rice noodle things they're like tiny a tiny little ball and they're really kind of ooey gooey and Mm -hmm. so I I took one after mom had made it I (laughs) went Chris was like reading in this chair Mm -hmm. and I went up and I pretended to sneeze on her and I wiped (laughs) it on her on the look on your face like you were going to kill me you got me yeah you got me i thought you had literally sneezed and just boogied all over my arm yes (laughs) we'll see if you want to cut that later (laughs) if i if i have regrets i'll let you know regrets Okay, so now let's go into supreme court induction You guys, this week we are doing names and favorite books. And of course, if you're like, oh my gosh, how do I become a part of this? Get on Patreon at the $7 level. You get a monthly bonus episode, a monthly bonus video. You get into the Discord. You get inducted on the podcast. You get a sticker. You get a little card with our autographs. What more could you want? Nothing else. Nothing. In the world. Not food, not shelter, not water. <laughs> That's right. This is it, folks. The LGTC sticker will keep you warm. Mm-hmm. I will be reading names. Lucia. Heartbreak Tango by Manuel Puig. Pig? P-U-I-G. I'm just like my sister. I don't know how to say things. Kara Wagner. The last book on the left. Marley Olson. The Twilight series. JK. It's actually the Golden Compass. Oh, Marley. <laughs> Cindy Erickson. Me Talk Pretty One Day by David Sedaris. Anne Gearing. Invisible Monsters by Chuck Palahniuk. Steve Petrie. The Slow Regard of Silent Things. Rachel Bentley. Autobiography of a Geisha. Do you think she means memoir of a Geisha? Oh, maybe memoir. Probably memoirs of a Geisha. Yeah. I was like, why does that not sound? Rachel, I hate to tell you how to be. <sighs> But Rachel, Rachel, mm. if if maybe this is the sequel, <laughs> <laughs> Katie B, Good Omens by Terry Pratchett and Neil Gaiman, Kristen Mazur, House of Leaves by Mark Z. Danielewski, Rhonda Vance, The Reckoning by John Grisham, Sherry T, The Expanse series by James S. A. Corey, Brianna Lee, The Great Gatsby, Monica Lambert, Freckle Juice by Judy Bloom. Oh. Olivia Colley. 
Oh, I was, I was trying to call, call you out on your pronunciation, but you got it right. Can I be your dog? Gracie Goki. Call me by your name. Welcome to the <laughs> Supreme Court! Sorry, guys. Sorry. I was, like, I, was like, I was like, something's coming. And then I, I messed it up. My gosh. You know, Sorry, Brandy. You know, if you were Brandy right now, you'd be going into, hey, find us on... Oh, okay. On- guys, we're on all the things and the stuff. Oh. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit. Eros.com. What? That's the point. <laughs> I was like, I've heard of that. EdwinRist.com. Uh-huh. We're on all of the dot-coms. We are the web king. Once you've done all that and left us a review, join us next week where we'll be experts on two whole new, new topics. topics. Podcast adjourned. And now for a note about our process. I read a bunch of stuff, then regurgitate it all back up in my very limited vocabulary. And I copy and paste from the best sources on the web, and sometimes Wikipedia. So we owe a huge thank you to the real experts. For this episode, I got my info from the 2020 episode, Down Payment on Death, and the Palm Beach Post. I got my info from the podcast, This American Life, episode 654, The Feather Heist. Research for This American Life was from Kirk Johnson in his book, The Feather Thief, Beauty, Obsession, and the Natural History Heist of the Century, also an article for the BBC entitled Natural History Museum, Thief Ordered to Pay Thousands. (laughs) I think you cut off the end of our (laughs) What? (laughs) What? Oh, no. Still there. No, I don't see it. I see it. Oh, my God. I see it now. Oh, my God. What an idiot. Oh, wow. Way to make the newbie sweat. (laughs) For a full list of our sources, visit lgtcpodcast.com. Any errors are, of course, ours. Please don't take our word for it. Go read their stuff. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply.